G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. And we play our own music. Multifaceted. Talented. Good looking. Good musicians. Go on, Grant. Did I just hear Grant's that you called me a refugee from a... Distant planet. Distant planet. Yeah, you're Superman. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great it was, stinger. I'm was, glad we've got a stinger for our show now. This is how exciting. I think it's a promo and it plays all week. Yeah. Glad you're listening to the station often. <laughs> Good to see you, friend. He's Grant Elliott. I'm Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is our producer extraordinaire. And we're live through to 1 o'clock. We invite you to join us. 0800 150 Text us double eight double three. How's your week been? It's been good. Um, I tell you what, last night, though, I was meant to be commentating. No. Um, got on screen a few times just to talk about cricket, but it was wetter than an otter's pocket out there, and it still is. The rain is hosing down. Um, so, unfortunately, we didn't get on the field. There were a lot of Indian fans, though. Indian fans. Even though I didn't really hear much about the, the game, it wasn't marketed at all. Um, there, was, there was quite a, a boisterous group of players, and every time an Indian player walked onto the field, you could actually hear that there was maybe about 3,000 people there that are just erupting. Fans are great, aren't they? Oh, they but love Indian cricket. fans are great. Uh, fans have really warmed my heart this week, Grant. Mm. Uh, I made quite an impassioned plea last Saturday uh, for the fans of Eden Park to, to make their presence felt. Boy, what an atmosphere that was last Saturday night. Um, I must admit, I, I don't often get FOMO watching rugby in, in modern yeah. terms. I really did have FOMO um, with the Black Ferns winning the World Cup last week. And congratulations to them. And congratulate everyone inside that arena. That just uh, that seems so special. Um, I, I'm also loving the, uh, the Samoan Rugby League fans and their uh, the big convoys of vehicles with the flags. I'm, I'm not sure I, I was utterly delighted when they woke me up at 20 past six on Sunday morning as I went past our house celebrating. <laughs> uh, but I've softened over the week. Uh, they were out again last night. Uh, good luck to Samoan on the Rugby League World Cup. Fans are just brilliant when they get going. And, and also our listeners, congratulations to the listeners because every listener that texted in last weekend said that the game will be close and gave it to the White Ferns. Uh, sorry, Black Ferns. Um, so uh, they were on the money. They said the Black Ferns would get up. And I think that we both maybe were quite hesitant in that. Oh, I was very much Strong so. English uh, women's team, the Roses, and the White Anaconda, as they call it. They're yep. rolling more. I think my tip last week was um, one to five, either team to win. Yeah. So that is called straddling the fence somewhat. <laughs> Uh, but also, you know, making out with the money at the end of it. We'll have our sporting tips you should run a miler from uh, later in the show. That finishes the show. What starts? Well, we, we hope you on 0800 150 uh, Give us a call. Open line talk throughout this hour. Double eight double three. We'll talk some cricket with Grant Alley, the former Black Cap, later this hour in our uh, uh, cricket segment with PGG Wrightson. Um, despite uh, the rain falling last night, still some topics to get into. What else is coming up on the show? Um, Grant, we, we like legends. We Literally, we, we have a legend every Saturday, and we've got an utter legend of, of a sport. I think we've only delved into maybe a couple of times 
since we started this journey together. I'm pretty sure I was trying to put it on my list of things yes. to do. In fact, I think it is on the Grant Alley Challenge. It? No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it is well, now it is. Wood chopping, of course, and we're going to catch up with um, oh, his eminence, really. Uh, the uh, the god of New Zealand wood chopping, uh, Jason Winyard's going to join us uh, later. Um, he's recently come back from uh, attempting to win his 10th world title in Sweden. Um, he fell a little bit short, despite being uh, right in the money. I think heading into might have been one of the last disciplines. But he's a nine-time world champion. He's won over 100 titles. Um, uh, he's also a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. Um, he ticks every box as far as legends uh, are concerned. He joins us at quarter past 11. Uh, while 12 o'clock, we're going to uh, talk uh, international rugby, specifically the All Blacks and England, uh, with former English international, good friend of the show, former co-host when Grant's been away. Um, on, on those shows, Ben Francis, good morning to you. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were some of the best we've done with Thomas Waldrum. Uh, Thomas oh, Waldrum's going right. to... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't see no you today, Ben. Where, where is your gorgeous face? The camera's not working. I'll try to fix it for you. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I've got my yeah. hair out today, so... Oh, that's, exci- that's exciting. Got his hair out. Oh, gee. Let your hair down, son. Uh, while you do that, just uh, listen to this, though. Let's get into some sporting headlines at the top of the hour. It's five minutes after 10 o'clock. And uh, how's this? How's this? How's this? <sighs> Alcohol will not be sold to fans at the World Cup's eight stadiums in Qatar after FIFA changed its policy two days before the tournament. Alcohol was set to be served in select areas within stadiums. I was doing the quotation marks thing too, listener. <laughs> uh, despite its sale being strictly controlled in the country. Uh, those in corporate areas of stadiums at the tournament will still be able to purchase alcohol, of course. The World Cup starts uh, with Qatar taking on Ecuador. We need that terrible, it, was it 1990s dance song, Ecuador? Oh. We need that pumping out, Ben. Oh, Ben Francis, look at that, dude! Wow, he looks like wow. something from WWF. You've got to get that on a, on, on the Twitter sphere, yeah, dude. Ben Francis, please. Before Twitter, Twitter blows up and is no longer a thing. The Undertaker. Uh, and of course, you can hear all FIFA World Cup games live here on SENZ. That's nice, no booze allowed. Do you reckon that as soon as that was announced, there was 50% ticket cancellations no. from Liverpool in England? <laughs> Oh, yes. Your mates from Liverpool, they would not enjoy that. Your mates also. From Everton. From Liverpool. So <laughs> yes. Let's not forget that. <laughs> hey, Portugal has become the 20th team to qualify for Rugby World Cup 2023 as they secured a 16-all draw in a nail-biting deciding match of the final qualification tournament against USA. Uh, Samuel Marquez slotted a penalty after the full-time siren to secure the draw, which was enough for Portugal to finish top of the four-nation qualifier in Dubai. Portugal will be in Pool C at Rugby World Cup 2023 alongside Wales, Australia, Fiji and Georgia. It's only the second time Portugal are coached by former France wing Patrice Lajusquet. Oh, be still my beating heart. Patrice, absolute legend of the game. Uh, they've qualified um, uh, 10 World Cups uh, and the second time the USA have uh, missed out. So just the second time Portugal have made it in 10 attempts while the second time the USA have missed out. Uh, the Eagles' failure, a bit of a blow for that country, Grant. You might be aware that they host the 2031 and uh, 2033 women's events. So the 2031 men's events, 2033, the women's competition. And I'm pretty sure that John Plumtree's helping USA. Is he? Yeah. Interesting. 
Um, at the start of the Black Caps uh, T20 series, well, it didn't start last night, as Grant has men- mentioned, the washout. The first of three matches was set for Sky Stadium, a very dirty Sky Stadium, wasn't that right, Dooley? Um, but uh, persistent rain in Wellington saw the covers remain on the wicket block and the uh, players uh, stuck watching from the sidelines. The second match is uh, set for a sold-out Bay Oval, Mount Monganui, Sunday night with the third game to be played at McLean Park in Napier on Tuesday. Following the T20 series, there are three one-day internationals. We'll talk about uh, that series and start thinking about the one-day game in a little bit more detail in our cricket segment uh, later uh, this morning or later this hour. But uh, we'd love to get your thoughts on 0800 150 Open line talk. Uh, let's rip into it. What's sticking out for you, um, Grant? Are you still basking in the glory of Black Ferns or have you moved on? you you wanting... Uh, our Kiwi Ferns in a World Cup final in the Rugby League Women's Tournament. Good luck to them. They lost 10-8 to Australian group play. They meet them again in the semi-finals, uh, in the final rather, this weekend. Uh, Samoa up against Australia in the men's final. Or are you actually now starting to think about one of the rarities in a very congested uh, rugby calendar? The All Blacks taking on England. It yeah, well, doesn't happen very often, Grant. No, and, and I think the... There's still the Black Ferns, I think the success of the Black Ferns that's hanging around as a talking point, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, a full stadium in Eden Park. Great game. There's a lot of discussions about, you know, salaries and, you know, amateur versus professional and, you know, what the the Black Ferns players had to go through, etc. I think, um, and we chatted about it off air, but um, one of the things that was really amazing about that moment for the Black Ferns is that it was amateurs playing against a professional team in front of a full house Eden Park and you could see that the enthusiasm and the passion that they showed and dedication which is what fans want to see yeah and controversy a sending off too yeah a, a tight game England looked like they were going to steal it with one of oh that last minute oh I was like oh no please wrong, no wrong, the, the white anaconda like, were you at home burning some incense, you know, you know, opening up a nice red wine and getting all romantic, watching all those rolling balls? Yeah. Uh, line-out guys. <laughs> they were amazing. You, you, you were quite the Justin fan, Marshall would have loved Justin it. Justin Marshall would have been overjoyed. But, but also, um, you know, there was strategy as well. You know, Wayne Smith and the coaching staff, the, the strategy they used for that line-out to win the last ball and the turnover of the line-out of the Roses um, and the side stories behind it and how the fans got behind it as well as parents taking daughters to the game to inspire them to not just play rugby, just sports in general, you know, all, all girls growing up need um, role models. And I think that the, there's just so much to talk about as to why that was a great product compared to the professional game. When you speak to a lot of professional sports men and women now, and you'll say, oh, that was amazing, you know, world record, how do you feel? Oh, yeah, you know, we played well, the boys have been training hard. And you get that PC answer, and it's like, that's not what the fans want. The authentic. How can the broadcasters and the players get together, and the the unions, and uh, say, right, we need to create a product. You need to get your character and your personality out there. Show the fans how passionate you are about playing the sport. And I look back to the Black Caps in the semi-final against Pakistan. I feel like we lost that because Pakistan were more passionate than us. And whether that's a mindset, because Mark Richardson said it last night, he said, players go, oh, it's just another game. It's not. It's It's a semi-final. So your fear for um, maybe uh, our catchment of uh, 
women's players at the top as as it drifts into a professional era going forward. Yes. When public scrutiny and media attention will be a little bit more pointed, there is still a you know a far it's it's more blunt, isn't it? The criticism is more blunt than what we've seen in the men's. Just, just compare what's happened this year. That with the criticism, the critiquing, you're worried they'll go into their shell. When you're encouraging them to stay out of their shell, and in fact, the men's game needs to change more than anything. I, I think that's a great point. I fear it's going to be the other way around. Yeah, well, I think that yeah. when it's natural that as a player, when it's your livelihood, so you decide, this is the path I'm taking, I'm going to be a professional rugby player, as male or female, then suddenly the fear of failure does come into things because if you're not having a good time, you're mm. getting dropped and picked. It's not as fun. It's not like, oh, I just play it for fun. And they showed that enthusiasm and passion. But how can we create that passion, as you said, in the men's game, recreate that passion, that amateur passion? And I remember Brendan said to us in the 2015 World Cup, he said, remember why you started playing the game. And it is that simple. But when the pressures of professional game, as you say, public scrutiny, media scrutiny comes into it, player ratings, suddenly, you know, three out of ten the next day in the paper, it's never good. I used to stop reading the paper when I had a bad game. And then I used to read it when I had a good game. And that was only at the end of my career. But I used to get awful press. If you've got any newspapers at home with Grant uh, Elliott getting a 3 out of 10, uh, <laughs> send it through to Daniel McCarty at SCNZ. I will, I will sellotape it here on our cupboard <laughs> in our uh, Wellington studios in Petone. Uh, you know, without moving on, some, some great points here. And you want to react, please do. 0800 150 811. This is your show. Uh, you can direct us as far as the conversation. Double eight double three. if you've got a text. Um the men's game, yeah, it, it, there's some issues there. On the field, though, there's also some issues with how the game's officiated and, you know, the rules. But as far as the competition is concerned, the international men's game is ridiculously tight. Con- convoluted? Oh, convoluted's a word. It's fascinating. And this is the last game of 2022 for the All Blacks against England. 2023, the last game you do hope to play is a World Cup final, right? So who was best placed? To play the last game of next year. Well, depending that, on that how this game goes. That is a question for the audience. 0800-150-811. And let me try. Let me... Um, let me try to explain this in a very confused manner. I'm going to rattle off who all the rugby championships teams have beaten and lost to this year and who all the Six Nations teams have lost to. So apologies to Japan and, and others who don't play in those comps. Are you ready? I'm ready. New Zealand has beaten Ireland, South Africa, Australia, Argentina, Wales and Scotland, but have lost to Ireland, Argentina and South Africa. Australia has beaten Argentina, South Africa, England and Scotland, but have lost to Argentina, South Africa, New Zealand, France and Italy. South Africa has beaten New Zealand, Australia and Wales. That's it. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Wales and Ireland have beaten South Africa. Argentina is, do you want me to go on? Australia, New Zealand, Scotland, England have lost to Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Scotland, Wales. England have have beaten... Uh, Italy, Wales, Australia, but have lost to Scotland, Ireland, France, Australia, Argentina. Scotland have beaten England, uh, Italy, Argentina, uh, but have lost to France, Wales, Ireland, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand. Wales have beaten Scotland, South Africa, Argentina, uh, but have lost to Ireland, France, England, Italy, New Zealand, South Africa. Italy have beaten Wales and Australia. Um, Heck, Georgia beat Italy and Samoa beat Georgia. Um, Italy have also lost to France, England, Scotland and Ireland. Ireland have beaten Wales, Italy, England, Scotland, New Zealand twice, and South Africa have lost to France, and France have beaten everyone that they've played. France, France the only favorites. team who have not lost a game. So clear favourites, you'd say. 
France have beaten England, Italy, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, Japan and South Africa. Yeah, I will add in Japan. I will also add in a win over Georgia. That means they've won 12 straight test matches. Uh, they beat New Zealand on the end of year two of this time last year. Now, didn't they? Uh, they also beat Australia in Australia. But you've got to go back to the June series last year when France has actually lost. It's not a, a surprise to me that uh, France currently are the favourites for the Rugby World Cup at our TAB at $3.50. New Zealand a second. England a third? Having beaten just Italy, Wales and Australia this year and have lost to Scotland, Ireland, France, Australia and Argentina? I can, I can make these arguments all afternoon. All, all morning and afternoon. World rugby is so fascinating. It's great, right, though. So this that, is the first that, time in, in a, a long time that, that there's been that so much competition. Deep, that it's this deep. And literally everyone has kind of beaten everyone there. That's in a very convoluted way. I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. So the question is, and uh, feel free to answer it on 0800 150 811 or 8833, who is best positioned right now in your mind to be playing the last game of next year? The two Play finalists? A World Cup final. Let us know. We'll take a break and hopefully be back with your calls after this. Some pretty sick playing there, Grant. And on your on percussion too. You've got a good voice. But EJ. 21 minutes after 10 o'clock, 0800 150 That is our number, double eight double three. This is the Saturday session. I just can't stop looking at Ben's hair. Oh, I just want to touch it. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Has he conditioned that hey. and shampooed it for I, today? I think he has. That's why he's got it out. He's G'day, Dave. <laughs> good morning. Hello, How Dave. are you, Dave? G'day, Daniel. Morning, Grant. Hey, um, it's been a long time, but I got over the cricket from last week. I lost the previous week. Hey, um, look, I think rugby, I think Ireland, maybe France are best placed. Ireland's going well as long as Sexton keeps fit. And France, they've yeah. got the, you know, the home advantage. And, geez, they've, they've been the nearly guys, you know, so many times. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if Aussie get their players fit, they always, they always come to the party at the right time. And if we get Wayne Smith, for 10 months, we should do quite well as well, you know, but um, <laughs> hey, you know how you have the worst sporting moment of the week, I think the biggest travesty of this week is Adi Savia not getting nominated for IRB Player of the Year, how he is not one of the best players, if not the best player in the world right now astounds me, you know, especially when some of the guys they named I don't know what you well, guys Dave, think Well, well, well Dave yep. um, the list of names Really good rugby players. That's the thing. I'll start with the positive. All really good players. All had really good years. Uh, I took to social media earlier this week and I said I wouldn't have nominated Artie Savia either, mainly because I would have uh, opened my one eye and just named him World Player of the Year and gone back to sleep. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely mind-boggling to me. Um, I, seriously? Yeah. Like, I know it's one. Uh, it's a one-eyed take. Yeah, I'm a New Zealander. That was a nod to me being one-eyed. Um, the guy's extraordinary. The guy's exceptional. The guy is a rarity. Um, just, just enjoy him while you have him, New Zealand. I don't think you're going to see many of his like um, ever. Yeah, look, he's um, you know, give him a couple more years, he might be on the same level as the king, Richie. You know, like he's this is how he started his career, and you know, he's not he's playing the same way. He he will actually bleed for the country, which is um. You know, rare, rare. He's, he gives, you know, he gives it everything he's got and a bit more. So, and he's kept us in games this year by himself, which is hard to do. And the other thing, yeah. Daniel, is when you're a really amazing player in a team that's going backwards and not performing well, it means you're really, really good. Yeah, well said.
Hey, Dave, I yeah. want to ask you, going back to your um, your prediction of Ireland-France. Oh, well, France have what, lost three World Cup finals. They've got to get over that headache, Grant. Ireland can't even get past the quarterfinals. <laughs> but, but, I mean, do we take anything into the, the current world rugby rankings? You've got Ireland at one, France at two, New Zealand three, South Africa four. You go down England, Argentina, Wales, and Australia at eighth. Um, do we take anything into those world rugby rankings, or is it the best team on the day? I don't think we do take anything from the rankings, Grant, because as we know, we've been ranked number one, you know, forever. And, you know, 2007 and, you know, 1995, 2003, we haven't performed. We've only got to the quarter sometimes. So it does, it depends on the year, the form going in, and uh, your X-Factor players' uh, injuries. If Ireland don't have Johnny Sexton, they don't perform so well. You know, it's just Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, good point. Now, now Dave, my second part to my question is... you know, carry on, carry on. To beat today, I think the Italians will be leading at half time. will come over the top of them. And that's paid $6.50, so you might want to have a look at that. Uh, the passion, Thank you, Dave. they paid well, yeah, paid well against Aussie last week. The passion and spirit will get them to half time the lead. And then, unfortunately, the South Africans will come over the top of them. But I think they'll go very well in the first half. Good on you, Dave. Enjoy your day. Really do appreciate it. 0800, okay. uh, sorry, 0800-150-811-8833. Don't confuse them. Don't get them muddled up like I just did then. Double eight, double three for text messages. We have had a few. Richie writes, Daniel, the sending off wasn't a controversy. If the England player hadn't been sent off after the red uh, cards we've seen this year, it would have been controversial. Uh, I bet the England Rugby Union now were wishing they adopted the 20-minute red card earlier this year. Now, Richie, it was the correct decision. It was still met with controversy. There was public debate um, about it mainly from those who support the team white. So that's why it was, That's why I suggested there was some controversy. But I think you and I, Richie, are in agreement that it was the right decision. Daniel, um, a lot of people ask me during the week, because now that they think I'm on a sports program, they think I've got all the answers. Well, you do. I, I do, if I can Google them. But <clears throat> someone asked me about red cards in rugby, and they thought that it was just 20 minutes off. Um. What is the red card rule now? Well, sending off, got me sending doubt. off in international rugby. That's what I thought. Super rugby was trialling. Is it? Oh, it was 20 trialing. minutes off the field uh, because, you know, you get these old uh, lines of 15 v 14 always ruins the game. Yeah. And we've just watched a game where it wasn't ruined. Well, it, but a player it who, depends who, which side of the fence no, you're on. A player on. who showed really poor tackle technique running high into a tackle, which is... Cl- it's now how many years now since... You know, World Rugby has, um, you know, tried to get the, t- the tackle line down. It's a number of years. My patience is worn out. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, in the first year, yeah, I can understand, yeah, that's a little bit unlucky. So it's, There's no malicious intent. Uh, it's, some, it's very hard for officials on the field to judge intent, and it really shouldn't come in uh, to the equation, in, in my humble thinking. Uh, back to our questions, though. Who's best place to play the last game next year as we head into the last game of this year? Um, I do like this one for our mate, Jason. <laughs> In Australia, not the Wallabies. <laughs> the All Blacks better placed than the Wallabies. He's a bit down on the Wallabies. Uh, but hey, look on the bright side. The Wallabies have beaten Argentina, South Africa, England and Scotland this year. Yeah. All is not lost. 
Uh, here's a question to you, Grant. Uh, but we'll get to Matt's one first. Um, Easy Fix is talking about how do you uh, keep authenticity um, or get the authenticity from the women's game into the men's game. Uh, let players, coaches show their personality and don't jump all over them if we disagree. Media mismanagers uh, crush personality for fear of controversy, uh, writes uh, Matt. And um, here's a cricket question for you, Grant. Morning, guys. Uh, Grant, how do you feel about uh, Guptill uh, being dropped uh, and is Williamson at the start of the end of his career. Maybe you want to ruminate on those for a, for a few minutes and when we have our cricket segment later this hour, you can uh, you can dig into it. Good question, good question. It is a question that a lot of people have been asking about uh, not only Guptill, but I guess Williamson. And I think we will probably get the indication of where Guptill's career is at when we start playing the one-day games. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, ben Francis, welcome to the show. As we hit the bottom of the hour, it's uh, 29 minutes after 10 o'clock. Scotland the Brave. That was your tip last week in our sporting punch you should run a mile from. It was, that's correct. <laughs> you, you, you were believing there for a long time, weren't you? Well, I think, I think what the game kind of showed was you know, how crucial just uh, a yellow card can be because you could almost say that had that yellow card not happened to Scotland when the All Blacks pulled away at the end, it, it could have ended up being a bit of a, a different ball game. Is it really those little moments can swing momentum? But I I wrote a little piece on Monday, and the way I kind of summed it up, summed it up is uh, Scotland showed the way not how to beat the All Blacks. <laughs> how so? <laughs> well, Scotland have a bit of a tendency to. Let's just say they make those mistakes. They're very good at making the mistakes when you shouldn't make them, and then the All Blacks yeah. capitalise on them. And so there are those little moments like that, just those little one percenters. Uh, and I feel like that maybe they had that thought of history on their mind. We're going to beat the All Blacks the first time, so maybe that started playing on their mind. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then so those little errors start creeping in. And then when you got on that back foot, especially in that last 20 minutes where the All Blacks uh, – and past seasons have shown how good they are, it's very hard to claw your way back. Mm. Interesting thoughts. Um, being the proud Scotsman that you are, you'll clearly be rooting for the All Blacks to beat England. Everyone wants to beat England if you're a Scotsman, right? Like, There's no there's no chance you're tipping England this weekend. Well, it, it depends. Uh, well... It depends what way you want to look at it. If, if you're looking in terms of uh, content for the rugby run tomorrow, I'd love for England to win. <laughs> Because that, that, is make, true. that make my job a lot easier tomorrow. So, come yeah, on, England. That is very fair. See, he, you know, he's been in the radio game too long. Do you, he's looking at results like that. I've, I've been, in, I've been down that path a lot. I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, the question for you, the listeners, uh, who's been placed uh, with this crazy year of international rugby, where everyone has beaten everyone except France. Of course, uh, France, um, really the only unblemished record. Who's best positioned to play in the final game next year? Uh, in your humble opinion. And All Blacks fans, you look at that side this week. Is that is that a team for a World Cup final? How many will be at a World Cup final? I could see a change at hooker. I could see a change in the loose forwards. I could see a change in midfield. I could see definitely two changes in the back three. Well, name name those 15. Well, Bowden Barrett, I'm not sure, will start a World Cup at 15. Or will he? Will Jordan, where does he play? Well, either on the right wing or a fullback. I'm not sure if that's the best midfield. I think I want to see Geordie Barrett at 12. Is Richie Moonga and Aaron him? Smith, are they sorted? The, the loose forward trio for me is well up in the year. Um, injuries to the All Black skipper, Sam Kane. Ethan Blackadder too. very best. Uh, Ethan Blackadder comes back next year, absolutely. Um, you know, How many changes do you see for a World Cup next year? I still see quite a few sort of moving 
uh, pieces. Do let us know. 0800-150-811. an unnamed texter writes, and this is a really interesting message. I'd love for you to uh, put your name to it where you're texting from, double eight, double three, not just him, but or her or uh, anyone. Are we all very one-eyed when it comes to Artie Savia? I don't think most All Black supporters could name the French Lucies, but they are incredible. Um, the thing that Artie does that everyone notices is when he keeps going on and on and making five to ten metres, but the thing no one mentions when he is doing that is it's slow and the opposition defence is all lined up and waiting to smash the next ball player. Well, how could, how could you be lined up if you're going backwards? If he's going forward, you must be going backwards, right? Or else you would be offside. I think that's what he does mean, doesn't he? But he might go slowly five or ten metres, but if they recycle it quickly... That, but he's suggesting there that they never recycle it quickly if he does one of those runs where he goes into contact, yards after contact. Mm. Yeah. Um, as I said at the top, I'm very biased when it comes to Adi Savia. I would have just handed him the award. Big fan. And you know what? We'll have it from World Rugby. But he, I'm okay with that. 0800 150 811 or 8833. We will be back. <coughs> Three minutes away from 11 o'clock. Love to hear your voice. 0800 or text double eight double three. We'll get you swinging both ways with Elliot and McCarty in just a moment, our fine cricketing show. Yeah, I've just made that name Have up. you just named it? Yeah, just named Swinging it. both ways. Yeah. That'll open it up to a different demographic, <laughs> exactly. I'm sure. Hayden does right, and I think we touched on a few of these points earlier. Uh, gents, good show. Thank you very much. I should probably just end the message there, shouldn't I? <laughs> I'll carry on. Uh, it is the media that have shut down personality of men's rugby players, uh, full stop. Uh, the women have uh, very little criticism of them. Imagine if the All Blacks lost every game by 40 on the end of year tour. This happened to Black Ferns last year. Nobody was calling for their players' heads or calling them losers or saying they don't have or have no pride. Uh, this will ne- never happen to women as it uh, will be called sexist, writes Hayden. Well, there was a fair bit of controversy at the end of last year that saw Glenn Moore end up losing his role as the coach of the team. So I'm not sure if necessarily that's completely true. I, I think the basis of what Hayden is saying is right, and we touched on it. There is a different level of criticism. The criticism here for the women's game is still blunt. It's very sharp. But also, but and this year, Hayden, you can't ignore the fact that the All Blacks had a historically bad run. Like, really, really bad, didn't they? Yeah, and I, th- I think it's also when uh, the public get to know the players and watch the team. I think the public will be watching the, the Black Ferns with a lot more attention and uh, detail around who the players are, how they perform. So maybe there will be a little bit more criticism and expectations. Yep. And when there's expectations for teams, um, I guess that's when you know the fans get disappointed. They go to a game and maybe there's a loss where there shouldn't be. Um, and, you know, the, that media and fan coverage of, of sport can get really nasty sometimes. Uh, thank you, Hayden. Do appreciate it. Really <coughs> do. Let's get to Swinging Both Ways with uh, Eliadam McCarty, your fine cricketing uh, program, in about five minutes uh, with PGG Wrightson, uh, new PGG Wrightson turf key suppliers of New Zealand cricketing grounds. Um, Grant, we generally have topics we want to discuss, but I'm going to go back to the question someone raised. Again, an unnamed texter. I'd love to... Uh, get people's names and where they're texting from. Uh, morning, guys. Uh, Grant, how do you feel about Guptill being dropped? Yeah, I mean, has he been dropped or well, left the... out? He's sort of in the squad. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit grey to me because Guptill still went uh, to the World Cup. He obviously didn't play a game. But yeah, he... that's what I thought. He wasn't 
really dropped. No. He just missed out on the starting 11. Yeah. His time in T20 cricket has probably come to... Well, you're not sure. A fork in the road, it's Green Day might say. I, I think this is a very interesting topic. And the reason why it's interesting is because you've got Kane Williamson and Devin Conway in the team, which actually pushes Guptill out. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Kane Williamson's place in the team and how he's approached T20 cricket. Uh, and some people think we, we're better off having Guptill there. However, Guptill almost approaches the game in a, quite a similar way to uh, Williamson. He needs to get going, and then once he's sort of in, then he accelerates. I, th- I still think we can play around with that top three a little bit more. I like Finn Allen in there because he gets us off to a good start, but I still think the fact that Guptill's in the squad is that there's a question mark as to whether or not, one, Allen is the person for the job, or two, okay. whether Guptill can go in there and uh, perform the same role as Allen. Are we on two different planes here? I was thinking about the T20 squad for the, the recent... Yes, so I'm just but, thinking T20s at the moment. Yeah. Just um, talking T20s. Because he's missed out on the squads to play India, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's what the unnamed text is referring to. So do you see any path for him with a World Cup? Oh, I think that the succession planning, that it's obviously they've, they've paved their way, New Zealand cricket, and said we're relying on Finn Allen to obviously you know, take that spot for yeah. Guptill. There's a number, number of players that can, can play in that top order. Daryl Mitchell, for one, is someone that could play in any position. We've seen him play as an opener in the T20 uh, previous World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he can bat anywhere from one to five. Uh, someone like Nisham, he's more middle order in both T20 and one days. Yeah. And so, they they did say in the announcement of this uh, squad for the T20 series and one day series <laughs> against India that with the 50 over World Cup less than a year away, we're keen to give Finn um, every opportunity to keep gaining one day um, experience. I, I don't have the numbers at hand. I'm also thinking where the tournament's played probably counts against Martin Guptill. Plenty of spin likely. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to eliminate him. No. There's no guarantee Allen will be a big hit in one day cricket. He's got to go out and perform it. And Martin Guptill's record um, over a long, long period of time uh, has you know some money in the bank for him. I certainly do believe that. Uh, someone also asked about, is this the start of the end of Williamson's career? Uh, I'm going to be quite glib on this one. Well, yes, of course. He's 32 years of age and been playing for 12 years. He's, really? He's, Do you think he's... Well, he's got four or five years to go. So we're past, well past the halfway stage. Oh, I reckon this So is... once you pass the halfway stage, you're closer to the end than the start, Grant. As I said, this is a glib answer. Mm. what I do. Yeah, no, I don't think you should do that because... And how long is that? Well, that's up to him. Yeah, it's totally up to him. Obviously, Hyderabad have just released him. I don't know if you've seen that mm-hmm. in the IPL. So they've released him from that contract, which was a big one. Uh, and... I think it's just more around the T20 side of things. I mean, you look at someone like James Anderson. He's a bowler and he's still 40. Kane Williamson's fit. He's professional. As you say, Daniel, it's up to him how long he wants to play. But I think when you hit the 30s, you actually hit the prime of your career. And I'm going to start Googling Sachin Tendulkar and see how many hundreds he scored, you know, in the latter part of his career. Because I know Kumar Sangakara, for example, was someone that I followed in one-day cricket. Yep. And he averaged 28, 29. One of my true great loves oh, in life. Kuma. Loved watching oh. him, him play. And he was averaging 28, 29, probably halfway through his career. And it was the latter part of his career where he got all of his runs. 
And it's probably because you're comfortable in your own skin, you understand your game, you understand your strengths, your weaknesses, how you want to approach the game. You're probably a more rounded person as well. Kane Williamson's just had the birth of, uh, of his second child, so, you know, uh, you'll want to stay out in the middle as long as possible uh, so you don't have to look after the, the young children. This is going to go um, in the lecture book, the one you gave me a bit of grief for last week. Oh, yeah. uh, over the last five years, uh, New Zealand's played 79 T20 internationals. Kane Williamson's played 44 of them, 56%. Elbow injury. He has yeah. had his elbow injury, They've also injury, though. rested him. That's where it's come. Whether or not he's captain of all three forms, we, we can leave that for another day. Um, but it's... It, the T20 franchise scene is a big one for him in the next 12 months as far as answering this question, right? Um, yes and no, because... You saw Pat Cummins. Uh, he's now said, I'm not going to the IPL. Australia play, play cricketers slightly more than New Zealand. They do. They play cricket. Test cricket. But I think what, what's more concerning is you see Virat Kohli, who's had a real slump in form. Uh, Kane Williamson, you put in the same, same boat. And even Steve Smith, quite a, um, a slump from all three players. So is it because of the congested nature of, of all the cricket and the travel that they're, they're having? Um, do we need to try and freshen them up? Maybe all Kane needs is just a little bit of a freshen up. But I, I did feel towards the end of the the, um, the tournament that he was signs. hitting his straps. Yeah, there was good signs. Yeah, he was he was sort of five deliveries away from getting us over the line. He got out at a crucial time yeah, and in the game against Pakistan. You talked about a lack of emotion in that New Zealand side. He was ironically one who actually showed a bit of emotion by his very, very measured standards. Um and let's finish off with the winners, uh, England. And one um, question from Paul the Pom who'd like to know, how good is Ben Stokes? Oh, I think Ben Stokes has got real big match temperament. He's one of those players that just loves the big moment. And he's shown it time and time again that when he's under pressure, he generally delivers. And to have your captain in that position as someone who delivers under extreme pressure, I think is, you know one of the, the biggest driving force of this England team at the moment. He's, he's the heartbeat of the team. And normally the captain isn't really the heartbeat of the team. You know, you look at, I always said Neil Wagner's kind of that guy in test cricket. Just when you think the game's lost, he comes on and he's got so much passion and this undying belief that, you know, he, he can win the game. But Ben Stokes does show that passion, that aggression, that resilience. Um, but he and, finishes the job. Finishes the job. 20 yeah. off 28 he was. Because mm. you imagine if he got out in the 29th ball, yeah. how much criticism he would have got. He had dug a hole. He climbed out. Well, he's proven and to himself another, that he can do it. And a world champion. Another um, big knock in a world final. So mm. congratulations to him and um, England, we say begrudgingly. <laughs> One and a half world titles. Not bad, lads. Not bad. Uh, that ends swinging both ways with Elliot and McCarty for this week. Uh, we will work on the title of this uh, program uh, throughout the week. <laughs> Maybe I won't rule like a, a dictator and just name it without uh, Maybe consulting you or Maybe we get the listeners ben. to name it. Yeah. We should get the listeners to name it. Uh, this cricketing segment with PGG Rights and Turf Premium Suppliers of Turf Seed and Maintenance Products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. The Ot Show, these weird sporting stories you must know about her after this. Time for the odd show, the quirky and bizarre sporting stories you may have missed, but you definitely need to know about Grant Elliott. I smell another Elliott challenge. UFC President Dana White has launched a new sports league, which will set, is set to take flight next year. 
It's a new striking competition, Grant, called Power Slap, which will pit men and women competitors from around the world to showcase power, technique, and resolve. The sport features two opponents facing each other, exchanging open-hand hits to the face after one another until one wins the match. A coin toss will determine the option of whether or not the winner would like to throw first or receive the first slap. There will be a second, a 30-second clock to deliver the slap and another 30 seconds for recovery. <laughs> the minimum number of rounds for each com- uh, competition will be three. Victory will be determined via knockout, TKO or points, which like MMA and boxing will be based on a 10-point must system. I'm sorry, this is not a sport. This Can is not a Shall sport. Shall we do it today? A power Should snap. we do it on the show no, today? I don't think we should do a power. Oh, snap. you're a little bit frail, aren't you? No, I'm not frail. I just I don't want to knock you out. Hey, you've got. I could. I don't think I could do the sh- show by myself. Who was Who was my good friend from Pakistan? With his little frail little oh, arms, I could smash it a mile. Muhammad Haris. Yes, tiny little arms. Yeah, but these are they're built they're quite, for speed. Quite pop army arms, pop eye arms compared to the rest of you. I'll have speak. good wrist speed. Okay, uh, what right. have you got? Well, so I've, basically, you're turning down the opportunity for me to slap you, aren't you? Well, I'll think okay, about it. Enough, Let's do enough. it closer to the end okay, of the show. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. What I've got is a Chinese man has gone viral after running a marathon in a more than respectable time whilst chain-smoking his way through a packet of cigarettes. <laughs> Uncle Chen, who was age 50, recently completed the Jingjiang Marathon in Jian, China, while smoking through, throughout the 42-kilometer endurance event. Chen finished 574th in the race overall with an impressive time of 3 hours, 28, 45 seconds. 3 hours, 28? <laughs> out of nearly 1,500 runners. He is believed to have taken part in both the 2018 Guangzhou Marathon and the 2019 Xiamen Marathon while smoking through a pack of cigarettes as well. He ran 3 hours, 36 and 3 hours, 32 respectively. So he, that was his uh, PB, 3 hours, 28. Well, may he rest in peace. Well, he didn't die. I was waiting for that, that news to come in the end. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uncle Chen. Uh, impressive. Very impressive. Don't do that at home, kids. Running marathons. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of cancels itself out, yeah, doesn't why it? Why would you want to run a marathon? And at this time of year, people are often getting new diaries and calendars, and Kevin Beresford believes he's made the best stocking filler for Manchester City fans. The 70-year-old grandfather and father of four is selling calendars of just Jack Grealish's legs. Hey, hey, how's he done that? He first brought out a Jack Grealish carved-themed calendar last year, and it proved to be a big hit. (laughs) He's made another for 2023. Says the footballer's legs are looking better than ever. There you go. You should start your own calendar. A granddad with a leg fetish. Turned it into a calf calendar last year, and he's going better. He said his favourite month is January, when he's at the gym a lot. Well, that makes a lot of sense. $25, that's all it is. Brilliant. Fantastic. 25 Kiwi, too. Your show done and dusted. Back after this. Back on 11am. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning, wherever you may be. Our lines are always open. 0800 one. 50811. Keep your texts rolling into double eight double three. I must admit, Ben Francis is doing a fabulous job putting the Ocho uh, together each and every week. Uh, the weird sporting stories um, you need to know about. Well, it's given me something to do now because 
after what? hearing the Jack Grealish calendar that uh, some 70-year-old granddad has done so well out of. selling Not, not weird at all, eh? No. Not creepy s- at all. Selling a calendar of Jack Grealish's legs. And I guess, you, you, you know, you could do the quad one month. You could do the hammy the next. You've got the calves. So what I've done like, is... Before you go any further, I, I stuffed up the quote from Beresford when he was talking about my favorite month is January where he's in the gym and his legs are up in the air. I don't think he looks as sexy in this and it just makes me laugh. Odd. But it, but it, it has um, got me into taking photos of my host's calves and putting them on Twitter to see if maybe we can start our own league calendar. Uh, and then the next post will be comparison of calves to see who could have the calf for who will be January, our, man. Who will be our centerfold for January? What Elliot or McCarty? Well, we've got to, you know, we've well, got... Can Ben Francis also ping a photo to us of his calf, please? Because this is not in any way weird. If you're just tuning in and you've just heard the sentence, you know, what station are we on? SNZ, Sport Entertainment New Zealand. And we could do this for charity. Or you could call us and shut us up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on you for not calling. Don't blame us for the rabbit holes we go down on a Saturday. You know, we're, we're busy men during the week. We're, we're tired. Grant was up. Till 5am this morning. Was I? Were you? No, I wasn't. Cleaning the seats at, at Sky Stadium. <laughs> Very wet seats. Very wet, indeed. Uh, all right, let's get to some headlines at the top of the hour. I know there's uh, lots of interest in um, our golfers around the globe doing extraordinary things. Um, uh, the unfortunately named DP World Tour Championship, uh, which features Ryan Fox. Uh, quickly update him from his uh, efforts overnight. Uh, he is tied for 39th. Sorry, I got that wrong. He's tied for 37th. One over the card after a 73 and a 72 in the latest round. So um, he is how many shots off? Well, the leader is at ooh, minus 12. A total Hatton and Matt Fitzpatrick, the two poms, are uh, mirroring each other with 70, sorry, 65, 67. They are 12 under. And Ryan Fox is one over. You do the math. Grant, how many shots off? You weren't listening. I knew that. I wasn't. Yeah. I was looking uh, at 13 shots. <laughs> 13 <laughs> shots off. But uh, most New Zealanders uh, this morning be eagerly uh, anticipating a news of one Lydia Ko, um, who's at the uh, Tour Finale Tour Championship, the CME Group Tour Championship. I think if she wins this, 3.2 million bucks New Zealand pesos coming her way. Around 2 million uh, US goes to the winner. This is a huge uh, tournament. And so far, so good for Lydia Ko. She leads by two strokes. Um, no, they've just updated it. It was a swift update. It was. Five She's strokes. played five holes in 30 seconds, it does seem. There must have been um, a slight issue with the updating or the internet that were provided here. The news has just got even better, though, Grant. Uh, Lydia Ko... Six under in round number two, now out to minus 13, and has a lead over the South Korean Kim by five strokes. Uh, Lydia Ko leading by five strokes after her uh, round of six under. Congratulations to her. Uh, Back to her very best this year for sure. Five-stroke lead after a uh, six under par at the second round of the CME Group Tour Championship on the uh, LPGA Tour. And there has the... been a lot of noise about Lydia Ko lately, so she's actually she's coming back into good form. She's ranked 
th- third well, she, in the she, world now. She was world number one, looked like she would dominate the sport for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, then the huge wave of you know talented youngsters came through. Her game dipped. She went through a number of changes, everything from clubs through to coaches and off-field team. Um, and, and it didn't work. But she's rediscovering some great form, and long may that continue, I would say. Hey, Tempest flared as the New Zealand Breakers overcame foul trouble to beat the beautifully named uh, Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Gee, we've played them a lot this year, haven't we? Already? 84-76. Don't go on tangents, Daniel. Just tell them the news. 84-76, which sees their record improve to 7-3 and to sit second on the ladder. Breakers centre Derek Pardon. Pardon? Derek? Uh, led the way with uh, 19 points, 10 rebounds, while Liafa uh, matched his tally with 17 points and four threes. The Breakers return home to Adelaide tomorrow. Uh, go enjoy that. Always a great atmosphere. Have you got to a Breakers game yet, big basketball fan, Grand Elliot? I have uh, a number of years ago when they were probably in their pomp. Oh, really? You know, and what a day out. I mean, you know, you I'm are, a big fan of the you Saints. You only swan in for winners. No, 2008 I, Kiwis. No, it wasn't that. Yeah. My, my sister was actually working. She was the event and marketing manager there. And um, it was during the time where they were just dominant. And it was such a good night out. I mean, I've spoken about the Saints at length. Uh, but it's good to see them back in form. Uh, and they create like a, a family event. We talk about, you know, the audience and the fans and how these sporting bodies need to, to try and get the kids there. If you can get the kids there, the parents go. Make it a family event. Um, but I'm also trying to get the fight that actually, so it said the tempers fled, and I've been searching for it. I haven't seen the actual um, Barney on the on the court between the jack jumpers. Always worst looking name for the ever. salacious, aren't you, Grant? Well, I'm wanna... always looking for the scandal. No, I love passion in sports. You, like you know that. That's been my theme today. We all can't take our eyes off car crashes. That's the golden. <laughs> and tomorrow morning will be the All Blacks' biggest test of their Northern Tour and expect there to be some extra spice in the match against England. It will be the first time the two sides have met since when, Grant? Um, since 2000 and... Oh, you did tell me. This 19, the World Cup semi-final, Grant. Um, England assistant coach Richard Cockrell uh, has called on the Twickenham crowd to drown out New Zealand's haka saying opponents should be allowed to combat the Māori challenge however they want. Isn't that disrespectful? Wouldn't be the first time someone's disrespected the haka. But it is it, such an anomaly in sport, isn't it? Well, I think it's an unfair advantage for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Uh, meanwhile, New Zealand skipper Sam Whitelock has told his side to front up in the most New Zealand of phrases ahead of a big test match ever. Front up, lads. Front up. How badly do you want it? What inspiring words. I tell you what, if someone said to me before we started the show, front up today, mate, I'd run through brick walls for them. That's what I said to you this morning. I'm taking Are you going to front up? (laughs) Here's your coffee. Yeah. Am I going to front up? I'm going to drink the coffee and that's about it. Uh, Headlines at the top of the hour every hour on this program, eight minutes after 11 o'clock. All right, Grant Elliott, we will get to a break uh, in a few minutes' time, but before that... Uh, we have to dish out our first group of awards, and uh, we do encourage people to play a part in this. If you've got a nomination for what we like to call our Workhorse of the Week, uh, send them through now. What is the Workhorse of the Week in association with Minus Agritize, you ask? Well, who or what team has been the hardest worker of the week? Who has been, you know, toiling the land and bringing out the best of who we are as sports fans, or the worst? Uh 
All in association with uh, Midas Agritires, uh, the choice of leading manufacturers, Midas Agritires, European quality made affordable. Uh, have you got your nomination sorted? I don't think you do. I do. You do now? You can go in the next hour. I will start off. I will start off today, and as I always like to do, a non-nomination. A non-nomination. Someone who clearly not the workhorse of the week. Uh, is his interview still going? Is Ronaldo's interview with Piers Morgan still going? <laughs> they got great traction, you know, the way they delivered it. He's a big-ticket item. No, it's ticked all those boxes as far as attention-seeking is concerned. The perfect man to do the interview with. Did you watch it? I haven't, I haven't no. seen it yet. No, I, 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 you know, no. That's why he's appearing in the non-nomination uh, part of this uh, segment. Uh, Ronaldo has suggested his relationship with Eric Ten Hag, his Manchester United uh, manager, is broken after feeling provoked, that's right, air quotes again, provoked uh, by the manager to walk out during the game against Spurs. You might remember this. Yes. He walked out because he was, they were trying to bring him on with as a minute sub to with go a few also. minutes to go yeah. and he stormed off. Uh, Ronaldo said he felt disrespected by Ten Hag after the United boss claimed he would uh, not subject the 37-year-old to a late substitution appearance against Manchester City, only to then try and bring on, with three minutes to go, against Spurs, prompting the striker to leave early. And these are direct quotes from Ronaldo in the interview that might still be going for all we know. You don't put me on against Manchester United because of respect for my career, and you want to put me on for three minutes against Spurs? It doesn't make sense. I think he did it on purpose. I felt provoked, not only because of the game, but before. He don't respect the way I should deserve. But it is what it is. That is why probably the game against Tottenham I left. The coach didn't have respect for me. So this is why the relationship is the way it is. He keeps saying in the press that he came to me and he likes me, blah, 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 blah but it's only for the press, 100%. If you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to have respect for you. Well, that's a, that's an interesting perspective to have on life. This, is, this Isn't is it? really tough one. And not sure I'm buying the lack of respect. I'm pretty sure Ten Hag, when he welcomed you back, didn't he give you the captain's armband? Hmm. Or was that all for the media? Okay. Yeah, so if you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. It's an interesting perspective to have in life, I would think. So hence my non-nomination. I'm, I don't buy that. It's just really sad that in a team environment, there's two individuals that are uh, singling each other out, you know, Ten Hag and Ronaldo, but also someone... Ten Hag hasn't signaled him out. He's, he's actually been very diplomatic. I think he hasn't played him, Grant, because he's not good enough. He's making an example of He's not good enough, him. and he can't get a move to another club because he won't reduce his salary to a level where other clubs will take him. Are there people who are there clubs that would want to have Ronaldo in their squad? Absolutely, at price point X. Is he not making an example of uh, Ronaldo just because of the lack of team play that he's showing? And it's quite sad. It's uh, someone who's been so dominant and amazing as a, an athlete, is coming to the end of his career and not really going out just, in a just, nice... It was amazing in previous years. What You should treat him like a deity? Like... No, 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 definitely not. I think every player should be treated equally in the exactly. team. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think that anything that you've done prior to um, being you know, a player that's involved in the team now uh, counts for anything. It's the present.
And, and it's my, about the team, yeah, it not is. about the individual. And my workhorse of the week, uh, we talked about this a lot at the top, uh, the Black Ferns for me. Uh, I'll, I'll just reiterate, they lost at the end of last year to France, 38-13 and 29-7. They beat France in the semi-final. They also lost at the end of last year to England, 31-12 and 56-15. Uh, they ended uh, England's 30-odd test run unbeaten. Uh, congratulations to them. Um, and I certainly do hope every team in New Zealand becomes as engaging, as authentic as this champion uh, side. Uh, enjoy the moment. Long mark continuing into years to come as far as, you know, uh, great hype, entertainment. Uh, on the park, off the park. It was great uh, sporting moment. It really was fantastic. So uh, they are my workhorse of the week. Thanks to Midas Agritise, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. A European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agritise for your equipment. Back after this with our Saturday se- session legend. I'm so excited, I'm stumbling over my words. Our favourite time of the Saturday, Grant Elliott. And it's 18 minutes after 11 o'clock. It is time for our Saturday session legend. Uh, this is another sport that you you, you are down for a Grant Elliott challenge. <laughs> I'll give it a go. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just watching a little bit of footage. Up, up there with ski jumping, some uh, single skulls rowing. Um, what else is in there? Uh, the stair challenge, you're going to run up the in, sky in tower? Fire in, in a fire outfit. Fire. Yeah. Uh, but let's welcome in an absolute legend of uh, his sport, of New Zealand sport. Uh, our guest today is champion Wood Chopper. Jason Winyard, who was a nine-time individual world champion. A last uh, won a world uh, title back in 2017. Um, and very recently, I think it was just last month in Sweden, he finished fifth in his comeback for a record 10th title uh, at the still uh, Timber Sports World Championships just last month. It's great to see him back competing after an enforced break from the sport. A sport he has dominated over a long, long time. I think over 100 titles in a story career. Uh, still Timber Sports Series 14 times he's won that, um, and during his heyday, I think he was even a pro, uh, you know, only two or three people uh, could make it a career. We are delighted to welcome in uh, Jason Winyard into the program, our Saturday session legend. Jason, thanks so much for dropping by. Oh, great to talk with you guys this morning. How are you guys going? We're, we're really good. I'd like to know off the top, I just want to talk about most recently, we, we like to sort of pick a path through... Uh, an athlete's career, where it all started, how you've got to today. But I, I want to talk about last month, getting back competing again after an enforced break. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. You know, h- how do you feel now it's behind you? You've got back doing what you love. I've got to say I'm a little bit disappointed with the with the end result. Um, I, I had, um, you know, every intention of trying to make the – this one, my my tenth world championship, and it didn't quite go to plan towards the end of it. But um, reflecting on on everything um, leading up to it, and and actually the actual results of the competition, it wasn't a bad um, comeback after sort of three and a half years um, out of completely out of competition. I mean, um, what I've been through, I've, you know, most people will be happy just to be able to compete at all. Um, let alone get back to you know competing, um, excelling at a national level, and then um, being able to compete at a at a world championship level. So I can't be too hard on myself, but um, it's definitely given me some motivation um, to go back next year and, and give it a good crack. So um, a little bit disappointed, but uh, really thankful for the opportunity and. Um, I learned a lot while I was there. Um, a few things have changed. There's a few um, more young competitors on the scene. And, 
definitely a few things I can work on and, and improve on for next year. So so excited about it and, and motivated to um, get back there and, and see if I can come out on top next time around. Jason, it's great having you on the show as our, our legend, but um, it was going well. It was just the, the hot sore from what I, what I read was a bit of an issue. It, it was, and that's, um, you know, one of my strongest disciplines. So it was, it was really disappointing to finish with, um, with a mediocre run in that discipline. But there was a couple of issues um, you know, in, the, in the start of the machine where my starter handle actually ended up entangled in my in my throttle, and uh, of course I couldn't get to the throttle because the, the starter handle was was sitting there, and it's something never happened to me before. Um, so probably lost two or three seconds there, and then had a had a messed up run after that. So um, you know you practice and you practice, and and I've never ever had anything like that happen before, but. Um, Unfortunately, it happened at at that time, right? You know, right when I needed a, a really good run, and um, yeah, disappointing to finish out like that. But it has been one of the more consistent disciplines for me over the years, and it's won me, you know, many of my nine world championships. Yeah, uh, a big slice of luck not going your way there. To say disappointed, you could probably also say pissed off, uh, fair to say. Grant Elliott is feverishly trying to get his head around the sport now. He's, uh, you know, agreed to do a challenge. Uh, for the uninitiated, Grant included, uh, and, and those who don't know, um, how do you become a world champion? Uh, how many disciplines do you need um, to thrive at? You know, to walk us through a whole program um, as far as getting to, to um, a world title. Yeah, so for still timber sports competition is, is very different from any other sort of wood chopping um, competition. So my career started out, I started out as a wood chopper. Um, I was really good at the, the standing chop and underhand chop at a young age. I, I represented New Zealand in the underhand at 16 years of age. And then I kind of went on and won my first world championship um, at 18 and kind of continued that progress until um, the first still timber sports series competition I, I won in the USA in 1997 um, and then so I was involved with with timber sports it was very much different to any sort of AMP wood chopping competition it, it's more like um, I'd describe it like a decathlon at an Olympics where you have um, so you have three wood chopping disciplines and you have three soaring disciplines Two of the soaring disciplines are, are chainsaw disciplines, and one of them is a, is a manual discipline called the crosscut saw. Um, so basically, you go into the competition, you try to amass the most amount of points um, from each discipline, and the overall leader at the end of the six disciplines is is crowned the the overall champion. So um, there's a lot of uh, mental fortitude required. You have to pretty much mm. just go out and, and put your best effort up in each discipline and then kind of leave that behind and move on to the next one. And I kind of, I, I learned that from experience. I mean, I've, I've been at it since 1996 and that has enabled me to do really well in that type of competition, but very different from anything else you might've seen at the, yeah. one of your local AMP shows. Uh, Jason, um, so I've been watching lot, some... Lot practice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> A lot of Carry practice, a lot of dedication, and um, it's not just the skill of being able to use an axe and a crosscut saw well, 
but also being able to use a chainsaw um, and, and a modified hot saw really well. So, and there's a whole other learning curve with, with the mm. hot saw disciplines. So it, it's basically like um, almost like a drag racing event, but we use you know, modified chainsaws. So um, a, lot, a lot of things to learn and um, you have to be very adaptable and and just um, you know try to do the best you can in each discipline and, and um, you know, get get that overall score score at well, the end. Well, Jason, I've been watching uh, some videos feverishly about watching you in all six disciplines. One of the ones that interests me, and you are a, a southpaw. You're a lefty, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm right-handed, but I chop left-handed. So. Um, a lot of us are like that, actually. Um, there's a lot of right-handed axmen, uh, right-handed woodchoppers that that chop left-handed, and it seems to be because um, your dominant hand on the axe is is the right hand when you swing from from left to right, and that does all your control um, of guiding the axe and, and keeping it on the right angle. So, yeah. And so are you a, a cricketer? Because a lot of um, dads out there, I know, that have Great played cricket. Hitter. It'd be an amazing switch hitter. Yeah, but also dads that have, have young children, they will always try and, if they're, the kid's right-hand dominant, they'll want them to be a lefty because then you get that <laughs> high you know, left elbow. Did you ever play a game of cricket back in the day? I, I never I never did. Um, but, yeah, Smart it's, man. it's kind of the same with wood chopping, I believe, because, you know, that dominant hand controls a lot of what you do with the axe. And it seems to correlate with most um, right-handed axemen who, who actually chop left-handed. They, um, you know, they seem to excel um, swinging left to right. And, and Jason, you started the sport, I, I, I saw, uh, when you were 14. What, what encouraged you to start the sport at such an early age? I'm, I'm guessing that's quite early. Yeah, I, I probably was a bit younger than that. I think I had my first boys' chop when I was 12 years old. And um, I started because I, I grew up watching my father compete. And yeah. my dad was a, a world champion axeman himself. And so I grew up going to the local AMP shows watching him. And I, it was just one of those things, I think, where you just wanted to be like your father. And yeah. when I finally took it up... Um, my first shot at it when I was 12 went went really really badly and uh, I, I there was there was a race of uh, a boys chop and there was only three of us in it I got third by a long way and but I think that kind of shaped me and, and molded me into wanting to improve myself and and never um, do as badly again so it's kind of been an ongoing thing where I've just wanted to be the best I could possibly be and, and always try to improve myself. You had some pretty good knowledge in the household to lean on um, and your father world champion, as, as you point out. But, you know, from that first shot, what, as a 12-year-old, you said earlier you're a world champion by 18. My Lord, you took, take, take some big strides there. So did when you won your first title on the eve of that, did you feel like I'm, I'm a world title winner in waiting? It's kind of, It was kind of strange because... Um, I knew the opportunity was there to win that world championship. It was held in, in Auckland, actually, at the Auckland Easter Show, and uh, I just, I just really worked hard. I, I think I did 
not so well in the national competition the year before, and it was one of those things that I just wanted to come out and and give it a good crack, and and so I focused on my training. Um, had a really vigorous training regime, and it ended up all coming together on the day for me um, when I won that first one. So so that was rewarding, but it was kind of like I guess just another stepping stone, and there was always yeah. And there, and there always has been something to sort of try and improve and, and try to strive for, you know. And, and um, I've kind of never really looked back since um, since that first world championship. Well, since that first event when I was 12 years old, I, I've just always wanted to get better and always wanted to be the best version I could possibly be of, of myself, you know. So, um, yeah, I guess that's what's led me to sort of a, a 30-odd-year career where I'm still extremely passionate about the sport yeah. that I'm competing in and, and just always want to improve. Um, and, yeah, even osteoarthritis and, and all the stuff that I've been through hasn't really um, wavered me from that. Um, it, it made me take a couple of years off, um, you know, forced me to take a couple of years off and, and get a replacement hip, but um, it, it still hasn't really quelled that fire inside of me that um, just wants to be the best that I possibly can be at the sport. Yeah, and this is what I want to touch on here, and for the audience who are unaware, yeah, Jason's got a brand, he's got a new hip. Uh, osteoarthritis uh, caused you huge amounts of discomfort. Um, discomfort's probably not the strong enough word to use uh, on this. <laughs> and was it caused by the sport? Was it just the osteoarthritis came on naturally? I'd imagine you're in a whole heap of pain. I've seen it firsthand. It's a terrible affliction. You know, how did it impact your life? How dark was your life at that stage? Oh, it was horrible. It was a it was a horrible period of my life, um, and I I don't really know what the actual cause was. I, look, I grew up doing a lot of manual labour, and it was just like my father was brought up that way. So he he encouraged us to um, come up and through that same sort of mould, and I lifted like crazy crazy things like at age 16 i picked up a 550 pound engine out of a d8 it was a starter engine um and i carried it to the back of the truck and it was stuff like that i think that really um at a young age that kind of probably damaged my my joints more than anything else like more than probably actually wood chopping with an axe because the action of wood chopping when performed correctly it's actually not really hard on your body. It, it's all about timing and technique, and, and there's not a lot of stress that comes back on you if you're doing it correctly. But when you're lifting heavy things, and like we used to, Dad had a farm, and we did hay baling and a whole lot of manual work, and I, I was also lifting wood chopping blocks for getting ready for competitions from the age of 12. So I think, I think really my arthritis issues kind of stemmed from doing all that heavy lifting at a young age and then um yeah so so when it did kind of really catch up with me it was probably about 2016 and I was having to have cortisone injections to actually continue competing at um at the world championships I won my last world championship in the in the timber sports in 2017 but mm. I've, I'd had probably six cortisone injections um by that stage wow. And it was getting to a point where, um, you know, this is this is not actually working anymore. 
it also gave me back issues because I couldn't move at the hips correctly. So I bulged two discs at that time and um, in my back, and things were getting really, really bad and painful. So um, I went down the route of stem cell treatment, and that um, so so both my hips were basically bone on bone. The cartilage is worn worn completely away, and um, so I, I went down the route of stem cell treatment, and that actually fixed my right hip. Um, but it, for some unknown reason, it wouldn't take on the left hip. So I ended up having that's the one's been replaced, have, right? Yeah, I had I had had resurfacing yeah. on that left hip and in 2020, and um, that was when I kind of was able to get out of the pain and and make plans to to have a comeback. So I had my first comeback at um, our national championship in 2021 in March and ended up third in that competition. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed with that, but it was still early days in the recovery process and came back in 20, uh, this year in March and, and managed to win our national championship, which gave me the right to represent in Sweden um, a, a, a few weeks ago. So, so that um, it's been, you know, a somewhat rewarding process along the way, but um still not done there, there's still um things i'd like to finish off and and kind of correct um <laughs> i'm pretty hard on myself actually you want um, number 10 what, don't you yeah. you like that round well, number I, 10 sounds I do, good and we can't dull your competitive fire jason can we <laughs> and and it's not even about numbers it's just about um believing that i'm actually good enough to win it and and just proving to myself that i can and yeah, that's brilliant. that's what it's about for me. So, um, a lot of work ahead of me, a lot of things to rectify. But um, really, really grateful to have come through that period of my life and and to be pain free, um, not on any sort of pain medication or anything like that, and, and functioning you know normally and able to train hard and really excited and looking forward to next season. Um, our qualifier will be in March, um, so I've got some lead-up competitions planned, and um, I'm going to give it a really good good crack next year. Good on you. Jason, it's unbelievable to hear what you've gone through, and I know what it's like to go through through injuries, not quite like that. Yeah, I was about but, to say, really? Do you? But, well, <laughs> a few stress fractures in my time yeah, yeah, yeah. at a young age. Oh, but, but I like being unfair um, on Grant. Yeah. It's what I do. Sorry, Jason. But it just shows <laughs> that you're true passion and resilience and competitive nature and just how hard you are on yourself like you are you're, you're a perfectionist in what you want to do and the pursuit you want for that uh um elusive 10th world ch- championship but i want to i want to concentrate on the lighter side of wood chopping which um in my mind i'm thinking of you know all of these big massive rigs. units big rigs the night before and the night after the event I mean, there must be some fantastic nicknames going around, but also, what is it like? What is the atmosphere like with these these men with massive chainsaw engines, and, you know, going with the, you're filling them up with petrol or diesel or whatever you do? Like, I imagine it would be a real alpha environment, something that I'd really enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually probably not what you would think from, from the outside looking in. It probably appears that way. But um, I think everyone, like at, at especially at a world championship level, um, they realise how fickle our sport actually is. They realise um, how much 
it, it's up to luck with the piece of wood that you get, and almost even with the with the modified chainsaws, how easily something can go wrong there, and and it's just a great bunch of guys that are involved with it because they know all these factors and yet they still dedicate themselves to have a shot at at trying to win a world championship, and it's the same for all of us. Um, you, you dedicate yourself, you, you know, you put the work in, the hard work in training, and at any time something can go wrong. You can break your axe, you can get a bad piece of wood and get a knot. Um, you you know, your chain can come off your chainsaw, your chain can snap. All these things, we know about these possibilities, but we still <laughs> go into it with the best intentions and, and the best preparation, um, you know, that, that we can have leading up to it. And and we kind of get there and, and let the let the dice fall where they may, um, because that's all you can do. It's a very very fickle sport, and but there's a great camaraderie with the competitors. There's a lot of respect. I think for someone like me who's been around for you know close on 35 years competing, um, it's very respectful environment. There's no gamesmanship. Everyone's yeah. out there just to give their absolute best, and, and it, it was so great to get back to Sweden and experience that atmosphere and camaraderie again. Um, so that's part of the reason I've, I've had such a passion for the sport, the people involved with it, really decent people, and um, you know it's, it kind of drives you to want to get back to that level again and um, compete with them. Oh, Jason, it's amazing to hear your stories and your, your resilience and also just how you're striving in this sport and, and uh, the joy. I mean, I've seen videos of uh, the fans that come and watch you um, during your, your wood chopping championships and events. And um, it's fascinating side of, of sport that I've never seen. I'd love to watch. And, and also, you know, if you're ever free in Wellington and you wanted to show the, me the ropes. You'd be good on the springboard, Grant. The, spring the springboard. Any, any time, very. <laughs> Jason Grant's big fan of nicknames. What's your, what, what have you gone by as far as nicknames over the years? Grant's really got high hopes that you'll deliver here. Yeah, you, you've got to have a good oh, one, sure. The, the, the beast or something. Of, oh, they used to call me Diesel when, when I was competing yes. in the USA. <laughs> It never really stuck, thankfully. <laughs> it was only a couple of the years. The big diesel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Were there some much, good nicknames but, um, on the circuit, though? They normally called him Champ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably a lot of people are calling me that now, but um, I, I can't really think of any. As I said, the, the guys are real down-to-earth people and, and really respectful. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We have a bit of fun and poke fun at each other, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not a huge amount of nicknames floating around. It's just um, pretty much Fair good, enough. Fair enough. you know, good wholehearted competition, and, uh, and and it's partly because of what the sport is like. It's um, it's a sport where you've got a natural resource. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. if you compare it to a rugby field, um, like most rugby fields are pretty pretty well even playing field, but you've got a, a huge variable with wood chopping, and that's the wood. And no one can control that. It's it's sometimes down to luck of the draw and how that piece of timber has grown. And if you get the hard one or you get the soft one, you, you make the best of it. So I think everyone involved with it realises that and just gets out there and gives it everything they can. And, and it's it's a pretty awesome sport to be involved with. And and it always has been since I, since I started. Yeah. And, 
Um, I just wanted to say, people out there struggling with osteoarthritis, I just um, I, I know how bad it can be, and, and I'm so grateful to be in the position I am now and, and able to look. I can lift heavier weights than than I could when I was in my twenties. So just know that there's hope for you, and and look at your alternatives. You can look at stem cell treatment. You can look at joint replacement. There's some great surgeons in the country, but but just don't. Don't live with it because it's it's a horrible pain to actually wake up with every day. And if you can do something about it, please go down that route. And know that there's hope that you can come out of it and be better. And and that's just the message I'd like to get across to anyone struggling with osteoarthritis. Good on you, Jason. Thanks so much for your kind words there. Thanks, Jason. Uh, the, you know, messages of support to those who've suffered through what you have. Uh, go get them, champ. We look forward to following you next year, and hopefully you do get that number 10. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. It's been great talking with you, and uh, have, have a great afternoon. We will. Jason, when you're joining us there, nine-time world champion, 50 next year, um, fantastic to have him on our Saturday session legend segment uh, in association with Somerset Think Legendary Care, Think Somerset Retirement Villages. You were hoping for a little bit more angst between the, uh, you know, the rivals. You don't want to piss off someone who's got a... The chainsaw, chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why. But <laughs> I did. I mean, the nickname Diesel—that's perfect. That Diesel, is, yeah. I like that one. You like that? But one. I just thought that there'd be guys. I mean, they're such big units. We need to come up with a nickname for Jason Winyard. And do you know who can do that for us? The listeners, the ever-knowing listeners on uh, SCNZ. Go on, come up with a nickname for Jason Winyard, nine times world champion. Um, and we're going to make sure it's all over the uh, wood chopping world by the time he becomes world champion next year. Yeah, you Bruce might. 10th. Come on, we need to come up with a nickname for him, and it's got to be a good one. Can't be JC. We're just winking a Y on things. He's already wise, and his name would make it quite difficult anyway. Yeah, the snake. Uh, double eight, double three. The snake and Harry Jav want to know. Yeah, exactly. Double eight, double three. Um, get your nominations through our Saturday session legends with Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz. It is 13 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Our number is 0800 150 811. You can text double eight double three. Always uh, feel free to interject on the program. Um, we love it. G'day, Donald. Welcome to the show. G'day, Donald. How you doing, guys? You're right. And good luck on your, your challenges there, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple, Donald. I'm, um, I'm pretty nervous. The ski jump in Cardrona into some inflatable wall sounds a little bit ominous. It sounds like we'll read about you on the front page of the paper. <laughs> As Daniel McCarty laughs, yeah, uncontrollably. Oh, the Don has delivered beautiful stuff. You got some nicknames for Mister Winyard, have you? Oh, just a couple of simple ones. What about Chip? A chip off the old block. Chip. Well, well he is, isn't he? Chipper. Quite literally. Chip. Yeah, like Woody. That. Yeah. Woody. What, what yeah. about some of these ones? Tombs, blades, chops, shredder. They've all come through on the text line. Double eight, double three. Yeah. Do you have a nickname, Donald? Yeah, uh, Zach. Zach. How did that come about? Oh, in the old days when, um, remember Lost in Space that used to be on? Old Zachary Smith that used to be on there? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to be the head boy at the, on the paper run. And um, when it come to doing the dishes, I used to tell Mum, oh, I've got to go out and deliver a paper that was missed. <laughs> <laughs> you sneaky little swine you I absolutely love it Grant you have a nickname for Jason We'll run it past Donald before we let him go So which one yeah. have you gone for? So the one I went for is Yarn Born Which yeah. uh, is 
the strongest axe in the world in mythology. Yarnborn. Yarnborn. It just sounds sounds dangerous. Yeah. Here I, comes I, I, Yarnborn. I like the backstory, but I think Donald raised a good point. Does it roll off the tongue? No, not right. not like Chip. We'll, we'll go back to the uh, the drawing board. Thank you, Donald. Go enjoy your afternoon. Hey. Thanks so much. Yeah. Cheers, Zach. Yeah, have a good day, guys. Catch up. Bye. Thanks, Zach. Take it easy. Back after this break. I'll ponder and deliver you my nickname after this. Six minutes away from 12 o'clock. Final word of the hour goes to Mark, who's calling from old Sydney town. G'day, Mark. G'day, Mark. G'day, guys. How are you? Good, mate. Hello, you had a big guys. night out. You're a bit husky there. I like it. I like it. Oh, no. It's I, it's like a sore throat, and it's all the more galling in that I'm not the type that ever gets sick. So I don't know why it happened, but I'm just managing as best I can, staying well rugged up and enjoying Sydney's warm weather, which is a welcome uh, balm to the throat, as it were. As women living around New Zealand are throwing themselves at the radio right now at that uh, that dulcet tone. Mark, have you got a nickname for us, have you? Well, I've got two, actually. You could try Chopper, or being a big Lord of the Rings fan, you could try Gimli, as in Gimli the Dwarf, who's well-renowned for his battle axe skills. Yeah. Yeah, I like Gimli. that. I like that, Mark. What about, Mark, what about, and this might be a little bit abstract, what if we call him Verhees? Do you know who you Verhees was? Jason Verhees? Jason yeah, Voorhees yeah, yeah. was the uh, the villain in the Halloween movies. Who was very in the good Halloween with the Halloween movies, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or is, you could you could also you could also try that guy out of the Friday the Thirteenth uh, movies, maybe. But yeah, I reckon Chopper or Gimli would suit him rather well. And you could also yeah, try Thor and Odin. You could try Thor and Odin. I do or like any of the dwarfs out of the movies. I like Gimli actually because it's a, it's a because he's an enormous human being too. Yeah, he's big units, yeah. Southpaw. Yeah, oh. I, I, I think that's my early contender. That, that's leading. Mike, I mean, you must have a great uh, a nickname uh, for <laughs> mates or anything well, like that, I, especially I, you come from Sydney. I, I know the Aussies love it. Yeah, well, my latest one is um, Dr. Stephen Strange, actually, because my workplace held a Halloween party and I managed to get a Dr. Strange costume and I got first prize for it, 50 buck gift vouchers. And I look like Dr. Strange. I grew the goatee and everything like that. So, yeah, Dr. Strange is my latest nickname. What a very strange way to end this conversation. Thank you, Mark. Look after yourself. Stay healthy. It's four minutes away from 12 o'clock. Gimli, Jason Winyard. I'm not going to tell him that nickname, though. You can, you can actually call him up and tell him his nickname's Gimli. When I'm doing the springboard with Yeah, him. exactly. Bang on midday. We're into, the, we're into the afternoon. I'd like hot, to see some sun. sun again. It seems so long ago yesterday. We had a good week. We had a, we had good, a good morning. Week. A good morning. And it yeah. rained in the afternoon and rained out a cricket game. Otter's pocket. And all that? those, we should play cricket at the Basin Reserve people came out. I had an excited son. We all should have started at 11 a.m. came out. My son was very excited. Even though when you play India, you, um, I don't know, consider the Indian television market when it funds your game, I would think. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's uh, two commentary teams. There's Spark and then there's Amazon Prime. And the Amazon Prime, it's um, the Indian team. They've got Simon Dool, who is um, the overseas commentator. The rest of them are all, all Indian. I saw Zahir Khan was there. Uh, we got Ravi Shastri onto Spark for a little while. Uh, Harsha Bogle. It's like, I think, um, uh, the left-hander. He captained in your Oh, that, that was Mr. Ganguly. Not Ganguly, the other one. 
the one who axed me from he was thinking of picking me in the IPL and then said I was no good. How can I forget his name? I can't remember his. I will remember his. You, you, Raj? Um, no, not you, Raj. Um, so uh, yeah, real split team, and yeah, it's amazing to see the difference in um dress codes. Wow, they are dressed to the nines, but also earning the money. They were out there with umbrellas on for a long time, and it was hosing down. We don't give the cover. bosses at Smark any ideas. No, well, someone did make the comment. I mean, well, they were out there. <laughs> like, well, I'm happy to get an umbrella. But I had a split household this morning, Daniel. Why? Well, cricket was cancelled, and um, my son was ecstatic because he loves basketball. So he put his basketball gear on, so it meant he could go and turn out for the basketball team. He was very disappointed to hear that cricket was going to go through last weekend and couldn't play basketball. So, uh, yeah, enjoys the indoor sport, I think. Well, who doesn't? We've uh, often talked about the perks of playing basketball. You know the game's always going to go. Um, five on the court, everyone tends to get a touch. Yeah. Um, you know, cricket gets rained off. You don't play. You, know, hey. you stand on the wing for your rugby or league side. In the middle of winter, you might not touch the ball. There's a lot going for uh, rugby. Uh, sorry, for basketball for sure. Uh as far as what's coming up on this show, well, right now, let's give you the very latest in uh, headlines at the top of the hour. Uh, let's start off again with an update on uh, Lydia Ko. For those who are unaware, she has shot a minus six, six under the card in the second round of the CEME Group Tour Championship, and she leads uh, the season-ending season event by five strokes, a minus 13 overall uh, next Best is H.J. Uh, Kim of South Korea at uh, minus eight. Then there's a group of four players on minus seven. But uh, six under the card for Lydia Ko has her in the box seat um, to take this title heading into the weekend. Of course, plenty of golf still to be played. Um, big carrot at the end of it. I think $3.2 million goes to the winner. Uh, that's New Zealand pesos uh, for those uh, keeping count at home. Uh, Manchester United, Grant. Uh, exploring ways to terminate Cristiano Ronaldo's contract at the club following his explosive interview with Piers Morgan. Is the interview still going? Oh, I, just, think it, I think it is still going. Isn't this it? needs to finish. <laughs> While United have not put a time frame on the process, it is thought they want Ronaldo's exit done clean and quickly. Sounds like a mob hit, doesn't it? <laughs> I want it done clean and I want it done quickly. Do you, Ronaldo do you, sleeps with the fishes. Well, Ronaldo's... Grab the gun, leave the cannoli. No, it's the other way around. Leave the gun, grab the cannoli. Will Ronaldo's manager be involved in this? Because he, he doesn't want to blemish his image in any way. They already have, though, haven't they? Well, yeah. According well, to me, anyway. Um, they want it done clean and quickly. Why? Because um, they want it to be as dignified a way as possible, not only to minimise distraction at Old Trafford, but to also show respect to Portugal during the World Cup. Because clearly that's their... Uh, their concern. Uh, in his interview, Ronaldo said he felt betrayed by the club and stated he had no respect for the manager, Eric Ten Hag, uh, adding he felt he was being forced out of the club. Uh, United responded um, with a statement to say they have initiated appropriate steps in response. And tomorrow morning will be the All Blacks' biggest test of the Northern Tour and expect a little bit of spice, uh, Grant, against uh, England. It'll be the first time the two sides have met uh, since the World Cup semi-final in 2019. In fact, just the second time since the start of 2015. That's uh, quite a rare occurrence, New Zealand playing England. Has me fired up. But uh, uh, Richard Cockrell, the England assistant coach, has called on Twickenham and their fans to drown out New Zealand's hucker before the game, saying opponents should be allowed to combat the Māori challenge however they want. 
What are they going to... Will they sing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot? Oh, great call. I think they will. It's a dreadful choice, though, for song. Of, Would it be like Shorshalorza? Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. You look at the history of that song. I don't know how it's relevant to English rugby, but I know it's been a thing for a generation now. Which nation started the booing when someone would line up a kick? I remember that um, as a kid. Uh, all of a sudden, during Super Rugby, people would line up a kick and the, the opposition fans would be booing. And I, I mean, I'm all right with it in basketball when there's a, you know, and one throw and everyone behind is the opposition fans are moving and whacking their, you know, sticks together or whatever you call it. Um, but I don't like booing. Hey, you're poo-pooing the boo? I'm poo-pooing the you boo. You can't poo-poo boo. No, I don't like it. What's wrong with booing? I quite like the tradition of being quiet and showing respect to I the fa- event. I find, though, that really eerie Ireland's big on it. Always. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I find it spooky and weird. It creates an edge. Is it Lansdowne where they do that? It's just Aviva dead Stadium quiet. Aviva Stadium there, mm. isn't it? Dead quiet. Mm. So you're just anti-booing. Anti-booing. Unless it's basketball. What a weird, Jeering. What a weird take on life you have. Well, because basketball's always kind of done it, whereas rugby, it just started, and I don't know why it started. I just you think don't it like was bad sportsmanship. You don't like being booed at third man. Get abused at third man. That's fine. You're not really in the so game. Abuse, abuse is fine, but booing's not okay. I'm saying jeering at the moment right, while the, you see. know the flyoffs trying to take the kick and concentrate. I think that it adds a much better experience to everyone if it's dead quiet. A little bit more suspense. I struggle to stay dead quiet at the best. Are oh, you a jeerer? Yeah. You're a jeerer. Yeah. I can't believe it. Do you? Uh, meantime, New Zealand skipper <laughs> Sam Whitelock has told his side to front up. That's it. That's the quote. Front up. Thanks. New Zealand rugby player for another reason to watch the game. It would be way more motivational than that. You're playing that down. I mean, I, I think you... I'm being unfair. It's all yeah, part you, of the job. The journalist, though, who wrote that is probably being really unfair Ben to Francis it. wrote that. Don't, well, ben, don't criticise I mean, there's Ben There's got to be more meat on that rather than fronting yeah. up. Oh, no, he also said they need to walk towards the pressure. Well, there you go. You see, there is... Well, what we have heard, Daniel... Oh, sorry. Oh. From the... Oh, sorry, <laughs> Sam. <clears throat> Just nodded off there, mate. For for the year or 13... We are so excited to play England. I can't believe we've only played England twice since 2015. The rarest of occurrences in international rugby. You would think two headline acts like this would meet more often. There is so much importance on this game. There you go. Was that a little bit more engaging and honest and without being controversial? They've only beaten uh, the All Blacks eight times. Drawn once. All Blacks have beaten them 33 times. So, you know... When you look at a head-to-head here, played out of the 42 times, All Blacks have won 33 of those games. But the last time they met, in 2019, as you said, Daniel, All Blacks went down 7-19 to England. So point to prove. But, yeah, that was, I mean, you want to show that passion. We spoke about passion, enthusiasm. Bring the fans back to the game. Are we going to see that against England? Well, we'll see if they'll front up and if they'll walk to the pressure. And we've heard for the last 13 months, physicality. Show that physicality up front. Well, he's a man who did show a lot of physicality mm-hmm. uh, in his playing days. Uh, also ticks the box uh, that you're interested in. Great nicknames. Uh, he's a former English international, of course. A uh, long-time Hurricane Crusaders player. Good friend of the program. In fact, has co-hosted the show. 
and did a very good job. In fact, I remember that show being one of our top five shows of all time. <laughs> G'day, Thomas Waldrum. G'day, Thomas. G'day, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. We're just talking about annoying New Zealand rugby cliches. Like, it's time to front up. What, what sport? What rugby cliches drive you insane and bore you to tears like fronting up does? We didn't want it enough yeah, the, out there. They wanted it more. No, the worst one uh, would have been the English one. It was Richard Cockrell from the Leicester Tigers. Um, his favourite was, it is what it is. You're like, oh, that's not really helpful, mate, is it? Is that post-game? Post-game, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, all, all the time. Just all the time. Training, video analysis. That is what it is, mate. I'm like, <laughs> See, the sensor drifted off and missed a tackle there. Oh, it is what it is, mate. You know, it is what it is. So no advice yeah. to the sensor about, you know, maybe changing an angle or, you know, get on the inside shoulder, that type of thing. No, it was never, it was no, never no, that much from Richard. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 and it's all the anchors I just switched off anyway and the team media and all the English people were just so confused. And they're like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, well, I don't really care. I've switched off about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> It is what it is, mate. Richard, it yeah. is what it is. I'm not listening. I'm not listening, mate. It is what it is. Knowing Richard Cockerell as you do, uh, we can get some instant reaction. We just uh, read the headlines at the top there. Uh, he's saying he wants uh, the Twickenham crowd to drown out the uh, the hucker um, the All Blacks um, uh, perform before the match, of course. Um, does that surprise you, knowing Richard Cockerell? He's quite an abrasive uh, character. Uh, Wonderful ears Richard does have. Um, you know, um, <laughs> what do you make of that? Yeah, I don't know. That's just him. That's just what he does. Um, and that's the thing. I think he just wants to fight fire with fire, really. I think because uh, he always had a big thing of Norm about doing the hucker and facing yes. up to him and stuff like that. And I think that's his way of adding his value to the England setup. I think he is just, yeah, he wants to challenge what he's done before. I think that's why I reckon he's won everyone up for. That's right. It was him who, who got eyeball to eyeball with Normie. Um, yep. In that test yep. match, spot. ended up a draw, and then they did a vic- they did a victory lap England after a draw. Grant, brilliant! <laughs> that did, brilliant! I love that. That's and New Zealand New Zealand rugby fan base lost their mind over that. I thought it was magnificent, Niggle. <laughs> you know, take your <laughs> yeah, moment well, in the sun. Hey, uh, uh, um, Thomas, what will the Twickenham crowd do if they are to drown out the hucker? Will they sing that annoying swing low, sweet chariot? Yeah, well, then that's what. That's, yeah, or well, because then it's. It's not like they can sing God Save the Queen now, can they? Because she's passed away. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I think it'll have to be Swing Low. But they probably haven't, they haven't done it for a while. So, I think that's, yeah. Or just the the noise. But you're not going to shout, shout out for, I don't know, what, two or three minutes when this hucker's going on? So, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much thought behind it. I think he just wants to try to yeah, drown them out. Yeah, it's, I think it's an off-the-cuff comment, and it's been picked up by New Zealand media, as we always do. We seem to be quite sensitive when it's anything to do with the All Blacks and the Haka as well. So they don't do Swing Low, Sweet Chariot anymore. Have they finally seen Common Sense? Oh, yeah, I just hadn't heard it for a long time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's just, uh, yeah, why, why they haven't done it, but they just, yeah, it seems to be um, a thing that's sort of gone missing for a little bit now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, long may that continue. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> it's no longer there. We, we've, we've discussed there has not been uh, too many tests between these nations since, uh, you know, 
start of 2015, just two matches, uh, 20, oh, I'm scrambling, I think it was 2018 and 2019. Uh, it, does that add a bit more spice in your mind, Thomas? Are you a bit more excited than uh, due to the fact there's such scarcity of games yeah. between New Zealand and England? Yeah, and I think it's just the mind games that he's going to play as well, and um, I think he's like been building again. Like I think he had a plan all along for the World Cup, the last World Cup, and I think he's got a plan for this, for leading up to this one. Um, so yeah, no, I think there's a little bit on the line, and I think two sort of great players playing 100 games uh, definitely adds to the to the moment, um, especially for Owen Farrell that will sort of brings a lot of intensity and stuff like that. And then you have got Brody Retallet, which is a he's a big big man in the full pack and uh, earns a lot of respect. So. I think there is quite a bit on the game uh, for tomorrow morning. Hey, Jason, I mean, how how difficult is it to get to 100 games? I mean, Brody Retallick, he's 31 years of age, um, only the 12th player to do it for the All Blacks. I mean, uh, your body must go through, especially in the forward pack, uh, it's, you know, the condition that you need to be in, not only mentally but physically, must be immense. Oh, yeah, it is, especially, yeah, especially in the forwards. Yeah, to get to 100 tests uh, is, is like a massive achievement. I think even to get to 100 sort of uh, top first-class games, because that's just 80 minutes of putting your body on the line and, um, yeah, just doing all the hard graft and jumping the line-outs. Yeah, you got to you got to have some uh, some good luck as well. But, yeah, you got to um, work hard to, to stay there. And I think that's what he's done. He's just making sure that he's got his body right week in, week out to sort of keep pushing on. So... No, it definitely does take its toll, but then it's um, a great testament of being able to get to 100 games because it is, it is a tough environment to be in. Uh, Thomas Wardrum is with us, our guest looking ahead to the All Blacks taking on England, our last test of the year for the All Blacks, last weekend of international rugby. Gee, it's been a wonderful year as far as upsets. It's been so hard to predict the international landscape. Drilling down a little bit deeper on England, though, uh, Thomas, so I know you've kept a particular eye on, as you always do, They've beaten Italy, Wales, and Australia this year, but they've lost to Scotland, Ireland, France, Australia, and Argentina, by my count. Um, not not a very good year. How good are England, do you think? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the thing. I, think Eddie, I don't know if Eddie's yeah, got a plan for the next World Cup, because I think there's an, a few uh, new players coming through, and he sort of um, dropped a few couple out and then uh, brought them back in when they weren't informed, and now they are informed, and sort of scaring a few people. But yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. I think both teams sort of will be, yeah, very tentative going to the game because they've sort of been up and down in form. So I think it's, I think, and that's, I think, the great thing about it because um, All Blacks are sort of, I know, do you give them a pass mark at the moment if they win? Um, and then you sort of got England that sort of need to win to show that they're ready for the World Cup coming up. And it's, yeah, I think it's just fascinating to see uh, what actually happens tomorrow morning. Well, what are, what are the combinations for this All Black team? We've seen so many changes um, in in positions and positional play. Are we close to getting and nailing down our World Cup fifteen here? Oh, you'd, you'd, you'd have to think so. Um, but that's the thing yeah, with coaches. Because that's the thing with coaches. You just you never know. As a player, you just have to go out and train as hard as you can and put your best foot forward in training and games and and then just and then hopefully get that phone call. Or message saying, "Oh yeah, no, you're you're playing this week because you normally know pretty early on in the week." But yeah, I think the coaches have different ideas than than the players. And you, I think as a player, you just have to go along with what the coaches are thinking. And yeah, I think it's definitely been up in the air this year with selection. But I think yeah, it's pretty close to it, especially 
Um, that's the thing. I think Adi was been at eight. I think he's got to stay there now, and there's no point moving around. And it's interesting with Barrett, uh, Scott Barrett on the blind side, where they've gone for probably three jumping options. We're going to have gone for two this week. So yeah, little things like that has definitely um, put things up in the air. Yeah, I look at that the side they've named, and then I look at what could potentially be a World Cup final side in you know twelve months' time, give or take a, a few days here or there. I, I could see change at hooker, complete. You know, two of the three in the loose forwards, um, midfield, back three. I, I still think there's a lot of moving parts uh, to be had uh, as we move into next year. But uh, Twickenham, 84,000 fans will be there. Mm. Thomas, just explain that place, um, the atmosphere. You know, what awaits this New Zealand side? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's one, uh, that's one thing I, I hold, hearts, uh, hold close to my heart is the, uh, when you arrive at Twickenham, even like uh, the surrounding areas, all the pubs are, are busy because everyone wants to get there early and, and enjoy a few beers and uh, everyone's singing and having a good time. And then when you, well, I think it's more when you arrive as well and you arrive in the big stadium and everyone's out there cheering you on. I, think, I reckon there's probably about 40,000 people waiting for you when you get off the bus to cheer you on and, um, wow. and then you walk through and the, the golden gates open up and stuff and the bus comes in. It's Yeah, it's very special. And then you, you go to the change rooms and uh, the, the change rooms are world class as well, and that's the thing. I think everything's just mm. the next level up from everywhere else around the world. Um, and then yeah, yeah, and just the tradition of it, and then running out, and then yeah, singing the national anthems when when it was full 80, 84,000 is is unreal. Oh, uh, Thomas, I mean that that must be an exceptional memory that you've got to to be able to play in front of eighty four thousand people, and no doubt there'll be. A lot of nerves and uh, the analysis that goes into the game, having not played England uh, many times since uh, 2019, I'm sure there'll be some nerves uh, more from probably the New Zealand camp being an away game. Yeah, no, there will be. Yeah, and, that, and that's, yeah, I think um, that's unknown because you can only look at previous uh, games and trying to figure out oh, what they're going to do. And that's the thing. And then, uh, and then you're training all week and even you... Even more than else you do, you just don't know what's going, what what the other team is going to throw to you on Saturday. So yeah, and that's the thing. You have to think quick on your feet, and yeah, there'll definitely be a lot of nerves out there, especially with uh, everyone out there watching you, because you you want to entertain the crowd as well. You just don't want to be a, a boring game because that many people have come to watch watch you play, and you want to put a show on as well. Well, uh, if you had to lay it on the line uh, to wrap this up, who have you got winning that game? Uh, I might just do my normal and just, I reckon it might be a draw. And then we will wait for the <laughs> Celebrate the draw. <laughs> <laughs> will, they, will they do a lap of honour? <laughs> well, I hope yeah, they do. Yeah, I hope they do a lap of honour after a draw. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> that would, New Zealand Rugby Collective would lose their mind. Thomas, thank you so much for dropping by, mate. You're always generous. I know your phone runs hot this type of weekend, uh, for sure. Um, enjoy the game. Hopefully you front up at home and, you put your body on the line when you're watching, and as a result, well, the result will be what it is. It is what it is. Something like that? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, because I've just started training for Masters Athletics again, so now I'm definitely putting in some effort at the moment, so which is quite nice. Good on you. So the javelin's coming out well? <laughs> no, no javelin. I was shopping on discus. It's, it's starting, starting to come. I've got that passion back for it, which is, uh, yeah, nice. Well, you're good at throwing things. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, keep up the fine work, mate. We might catch up over summer. Take it easy. Thanks, Thomas. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers.
the, ta the tank engine himself, former English international, former Hurricanes player, former Crusaders player, of course, the one, the only Mr. Thomas Wood. Um, getting back into athletics, he was a star at uh, college in uh, athletics. He was um, very, very, very talented um, and, and always good fun to check. In all the formats. Well, the throwing of things. The hammer. There you go. The there's, there's some detailed analysis of uh, athletics. The throwing of things. He was good at throwing things. He well, walked to the pressure and he fronted up. <laughs> when he needed to, didn't he just? I'd love to hear your skipper motivational chat. I just gave it to you before. Well, yeah, but I'd, I'd like that before Slight, every Saturday session. Slightly more engaging that you need to front up and you need to walk to the pressure. Let's get out there. Mm. But, I mean, doing the haka would be motivational anyway and singing the national anthem. I don't think you need to talk I, I'm much. talking about more how they present themselves in public to the mm. press. Yeah. You know. Should be more passionate and fun yes. and... Express how yes. fortunate you are to first, be in the position. First thing I do is teach them how to deliver with a smile in your voice. Yes. So when we broadcast, I, tr I, I, I try to encourage Grant to broadcast with a, with a smile on. You look really stupid when you do it, but it impacts your voice. Yeah, totally. Mm. So little things like that. Not like, we just need a front up, you know, walk to the pressure, make our tackles, go to an ad break, and come back with a race. Some race course in New Zealand. Horse four. 27 and a half minutes after 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday session and the Cancer Society's uh, Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz. Amazing uh, cause, of course, raising vital funds uh, for the Cancer Society. So register at longestday.org.nz. Uh, we will head to Pukekohe for race number two uh, in about two and a half, three minutes. Uh, the horse is getting ready to get in the gate and uh, jump. Uh, it's under nice skies. It does seem plenty of uh, rain in Pukekohe yesterday. I think Beautiful. seven mils. Seven mils. Uh, there's more rain in the forecast, but currently it is uh, holding off. Um, so we will uh, head to that. Just to, to, to my point a little bit earlier about uh, some New Zealand rugby players being a little bit... Flatline. Flatline um, in public. Can I, can I raise this um, chapter? And I love Ben Francis that. Uh, to, to react to. This is from a story in the New Zealand Herald behind a paywall yesterday. So uh, many of you probably haven't read it. Um, from Gregor Paul, under the, the headline, Inside the All Blacks Machine, the real reason Scott Robertson is not All Blacks coach. Um, it's a long article. This really did stick out to me. Whether or not this is actually the real reason, I don't know. I haven't worked the phones, um, but this is Gregor's interpretation. Um, how the team presents to the public, domestic and international, has become hugely important in the quest to make money. And this is perhaps the real reason Razor remains out in the cold. While there are influential figures within NZR who feel Razor is on brand, precisely the sort of free-thinking, unrestricted, breath of fresh air, authentic character that will win rugby new fans, there are others who fear the traditions of the All Blacks could be eroded by a coach who breakdances and brings attention to himself. Wow, what a fun bunch they sound like, don't they? I can't wait to go out with them. Was this speculation, though? Well, yeah. I mean, because you get, it's a real split camp, isn't it, between, you know, whether Razor should be coach or not, and I have heard well, that. Well, as I said, this is Gregor Paul's um, piece. Yeah. I, I would encourage you to read the whole thing. You know, he didn't write the headline. It's very misled. The real reason. Um, when, when he does write, this is perhaps the real reason. Hmm. Uh, there's a fair bit of interpretation there. I don't think it is the reason, but it is 
perhaps one of the reasons. Even if it but, was, but, you wouldn't get told that. But seriously. If, if Razor approached the NZIU and said, guys, really, what is the, the main reason? I'm sorry, I don't know if there's did much substance to that line, but if, if this line is true, seriously, the All Blacks could, the traditions of the All Blacks could be eroded by a coach who break dances and draws attention to himself. Have you heard a bigger load of nonsense? How very dare he. How very dare he be authentic. All right, I think they're on the gate. Are they? We ready to go? We are ready you, You're to biting go. your tongue. You want, to, you want to tell me off, don't you? Well, I've got Wild West and okay. I've got Laneway flirting. We go four to and P- number eight. <laughs> we go to Pukakoe and race number two. Uh, 23 minutes away from one o'clock. Do apologise to those of me that are trying to call through in the last five or so minutes. We've got a, a couple of issues with the phones, hence why we haven't been able to answer them. We're not ignoring you. We love you part- uh, participating on this program. So too, we love it uh, when the the big oil, the, the, the big man from the good oil is what I'm trying to say. Clado joins us. G'day, mate. Good afternoon, Daniel and Grant. How's it going down there in your little broom cupboard? We are G'day, Clado. We, we are well today, aren't we, Grant? Bit yeah, of, we're uh, really good. Bit of separation there? Everything all right? Well, you know, uh, Daniel's a little bit half empty about rugby at the moment, I think. New Zealand rugby, I do get that sense. Am I? And, well, just the, the captain's uh, chat and motivational Not just talk. the captain, just every... Press conference. Just, just every male rugby player. <laughs> unlike, unlike you, Clado, you speak with a smile on your face, which yeah, is what Daniel's saying. Yeah, Show your enthusiasm. <laughs> Clado, I'd like to know uh, the question on everybody's lips. Will you front up today? Yeah, we did last you week. to the pressure. We, we, uh, we walked to the pressure. We jammed a collect last week for the Pundas Club. Just under three grand. Pick. Three grand. Oh, fantastic. And, and Daniel would like to know what a heavy nine is. A heavy nine is a bit wetter than a heavy eight. <laughs> so that's what it was at Pukakoi earlier today. Yeah, we've had a truckload um, of rain in the north, so you know, it's getting onto that track and getting into it. And there's due more rain there today, so we'll see how it all plays out. But the track doesn't look to be in too bad a condition. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, I know there's more rain in the forecast up there. Hopefully that does stay away. What's on the card? What's on the agenda today? Who's, firstly, who's alongside you? We've Who got you Louis Herman Watt. Yeah, Louis Herman Watt. He's back from his uh, Christchurch Cup Week tour. It looks like he's in one piece, so good to have him back alive. And we've got the auctioneer of the century, Steve Davis. If you caught any of Steve during the week doing the ready-to-run sales at Caraca, a real coup to get Steve in this week. Can talk. Both of them can talk. In fact, I might have a quiet afternoon, boys. Good stuff. As far as the racing, what's the highlight today? The highlight today, uh, Counties Cup. Uh, the time-honoured Counties Cup and self-obsession is going to go around favourite in the uh, AFL colours of the Western Bulldogs. So always got a soft spot for self-obsession. Uh, we've got the Counties Bowl, Group 3, Babylon Berlin up against Bonnie Lass. But uh, with that wet track, sort of might open up a bit more. And we've got the Group 2, Dunstan Feeds, Auckland Thoroughbred Breeders Stakes. Always a good race to win. Get black type for those fillies and mares. And Darcy LaBella, top of the page, taking a lot of money. But uh, keep an eye out for Joe Dallin Girl, who's going to really appreciate getting her toe into the ground today. Uh, Bluey's chance isn't running to the, uh, today, is he, Plato? Oh, he runs every week, but uh, can't see him <laughs> in anywhere. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I just, I just, it's the time of the week. It's the time of the week when Grant sniffs around Clato well, with some the, oil. Isn't yeah, he a subtle tease to in today? Subtle tease? Oh, yeah. Subtle I'm not point sure. and subtle tease. you can tell me. 
Yeah, no, they're yes. at uh, Awapuni, subtle point and subtle tea. So there you go. There's a nice little multi. Probably picking about your okay. easy bet. Get straight into it. I, well, I might, uh, I might just text my son's teacher and see what he, uh, what sort of chances he fancies them. Because last time he was bang on, wasn't he? Yeah, he certainly was. Always a good teacher to have. One who likes <laughs> a punt, isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Clayton. Have a good show, my friend. Thanks, guys. You Thanks, do. It's 20 minutes away from 1 o'clock. All right, Mr. Elliot, it's time for you to dish the dirt and the awards. It is time for our Midas Agritires Workhorse of the Week, the choice of leading manufacturers, Midas Agritires. European quality made affordable. My um, my non-nomination. So you're going uh, a non-to. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have to go non-nomination. My non-nomination would have to be FIFA. Um, you know, two days out... Following discussions between the host country authorities and FIFA, a decision was made to focus the sale of alcoholic beverages on the FIFA Fan Festival, other fan destinations and licensed venues, removing sales points of beer from stadium perimeters. Um, but just to release that statement two days out, I'm sure there were a lot of fans that were getting their mates together going, we're going to have a rip-roaring time just with their hopes to be dashed. I think they are serving... Uh, 0% alcohol um, in the stadium. So that's something to enjoy, but that would be my non Oh, And of course, and of course, th- those in the corporate section still get alcohol. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh. So the corporates are being looked after. Yeah. So, yeah, luxury hospitality yeah. areas. Yeah. The corporates are okay. So that's all right. What the a relief. General what fan. a relief the corporates are going to be looked after. I was so worried about them. I was so worried about them hitting the first game. And um, and my nomination for Midas uh, Workhorse of the Week will go to the England cricket team, the T20 team that took out uh, uh, the, the or held the trophy in the World uh, T20 World Cup. I think the reason why I'm, I'm choosing them is because I just think that they are leading the way in terms of the structure of their team and the way that they're playing the game. They've got a batting order that anyone can bat from one to six. And it's just a dominant batting order and a scary batting order if you get on a true wicket. I mean, they could be out for 70, but they could be out for 240 as well. So I just think the fact that they won it, maybe that's the blueprint for how you need to structure your team. Really aggressive team with quite a experienced bowling attack as well and settled bowling attack. I think New Zealand has one of the uh, most world-class bowling attacks. I just don't think we've got our batting... Um, structure right at the moment. And e- England, I think, have nailed it. And uh, we said that they were going to be dangerous at the start of the tournament and they ended up winning it. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully other teams follow suit because I think that'll make T20 cricket a lot more exciting. I hate to say I told you so. I think if you ch- check the tape, we predicted an England-Pakistan final. Did we? I'm just making that up, but it sounds convincing to me. <laughs> um, Good shout, though. They held their nerve, too, after losing to Ireland. Mm. They could have oh, panicked, made some changes. No, they just stuck with uh, what they believed in, and ultimately they um, were the winners. Uh, thanks so much to Ben Stokes who hold his, held his nerve. Gee, that guy likes a pressure situation now, doesn't he? It is uh, 17 away from uh, 1 o'clock. That's our Midas Agritire's workhorse of the week. Uh, I went with the non-nomination of Ronaldo and my nomination of the Black Ferns, uh, Grant, going there uh, to FIFA as the non-nomination and his workhorse of the week, uh, the English uh, cricket team. Hey, rather be playing golf right now, Grant? Well, grab your mates and register at longestday.org.nz or for the Cancer Society Longer, Longest Day Golf Challenge, which is now on. 
16 away from one back after this. 12 minutes away from one o'clock. Ever wanted to play golf all day, Grant? Yes, Absolutely. I have. You did. Absolutely, you do. Uh, the Cancer Society Longest Day Golf Challenge is on now. Register at longestday.org.nz. Is that another challenge for me? Nope. Oh, it is okay. just me telling people to get out there, get involved, play it's golf all day, and raise money for a wonderful cause. It is now time for our sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from. That's you listening. Yes, you should probably not take any advice from us. Although, what were you just saying off here, Grant? I was saying that you've actually been pretty good lately. Wow. I hate to fly in the face of public opinion. <laughs> <coughs> I think my tip of, uh, you know, either side, five points or under, was a pretty good uh, bet for that uh, World Cup final. That's why, that's why I named it my best bet. Very good bet. Who wants to go first this weekend? I'm happy to go first. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is... What 19-leg multi are you going to come up with? This well, week? I have done a multi, but I'm not going to bore everyone with that multi, even though my uh, previous multi was successful. Um, it was going to be an international rugby multi. After your rant about who's beaten who, I took that on board. Was that a rant? I digested it, and I've put my winners together. But I'm going to go with our guests. Our guests are... Very rarely wrong. Um, they've got experience and uh, they've got a little bit more substance than I do behind the bet. Thomas Waldrum, uh, who filled in for me, and it was one of the most successful Saturday yeah, sessions. Yeah, so much engagement we've had. Um, it's going to be the draw. He called the draw for England versus uh, All Blacks, so that's where I'm going to go. That's $16. Like it. Um, I'll go international rugby. Um, I'm not going to stick my neck out and give you a New Zealand-England one because you've just done it. Um, I've got South Africa 13-plus over Italy, $1.42. Um, Scotland-Argentina. Argentina will win but 12 and under, so that's $3.70. And Ireland-Australia. Ireland win by 1 to 12. You know, I think Australia get close but don't win. That's $2.80. They're my uh, tips for the, the northern uh, rugby. Staying up north, th- this is my this is my smoky tip. Ooh. The Kiwi Ferns are playing the Gillaroos in the World Cup final. Currently, in a two-horse race, the Kiwi Ferns are paying $5.15. That's a good bet. They lost by two points in group play, 10 points to eight. That should have been a draw, 10 all, because that conversion should go over. I know Australia start favourites, and I know Australia... You know, nine times out of ten will win this game. But I don't think it would be the biggest shock if New Zealand got up and won that. So if you've got a spare ten and want to have an outside punt, I think that that's very good money, $5.15 in a two-horse race. Well, following Any the Black Ferns, the Bla- no, a lot of people gave the Black Ferns no chance mm. against the Roses, so but I he, like that one. Here is my best bet for the weekend. Let me, let me just build this up. Soak it all in, Grant. Soak it up. Are you ready? Have I got I'm your ready. attention? Yeah, for this song. Have I got your attention? Cheese on toast. This song is dreadful for the record. Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> but here we go. FIFA World Cup is on our doorstep, people, and SNZ, home of your World Cup. It's all kicking off with the host, Qatar, who will all be sober. Well, their fans will be up against Ecuador. 
You've got to be good to qualify out of South America, especially the third nation behind Argentina and Brazil, who are two of the favourites, if not the favourites. But Ecuador kick off this World Cup. <clears throat> and I'm now going to read you Ecuador's last six internationals and the scores. Ben Francis, just drop it down just a touch. My ears are bleeding. Uh, working backwards, their most recent fixture was nil all. The one before that was nil all. The one before that was nil all. The game before that was one nil. The game before that one was nil all. And then one nil. So they've not conceded a goal in six matches, generally most mostly friendlies. Defensively sound. Two goals. Defensively, Defensively sound. very sound. Uh, Qatar should be the worst side at this tournament. I don't expect them to score a flurry of goals. In fact, I'm not expecting Qatar to score any goals in the opening game of the World Cup. And Ecuador don't look that sharp in front of goal. Uh, I'm predicting Ecuador to win exact score, I'm going with. Exact score, six bucks. Pump up the jam. You're welcome, New Zealand. You're welcome. Ben Francis is not going to let us play that song for any, any, any more length of time, <laughs> is he? He's not. Is that, is that over? I was trying to work out what the song was, the Ecuador, Ecuador. song. Ecuador! Now oh, I sense. know. Yeah. I remember this. This takes me back to my youth. Yeah, I know. Sweaty nightclubs. Smoke-filled nightclubs. House parties. Man. Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So th- there's no, no chance of any more Ecuador. Ben, I've never seen Ben look more disgusted in his life. Yeah, he was That we forced really, him to play yeah, that he's song. He's disappointed. He does look salty. Have you got a bet for us, Ben Francis? I don't because I fell asleep listening to... <laughs> Oh, I just fell asleep, so I'm, I'm just waking up. So no, I don't have a bed. <laughs> what? Don't you have some darts to cram down our th- ram down our throats? You've been watching it all morning. Well, if you want one, and I'm not saying it is going to come in. It's more. It's more the 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 great fairy tale story. Of course, uh, people that follow love the sport a fairy tale bet would remember. We love fairy tale. Raymond Van Barneveld retired a couple of years ago. He's now mm. back. He's playing in the Grand Slam of darts, and he's into the semifinals after knocking out the defending champion Gwen Price uh, just. Oh come up, younger! Amount, ma- oh, amount younger. of hours ago, he's paying six dollars for the win. So why not? Why not a fairy tale? That would be onchalophilic, wouldn't it, Grant? And uh, so Van Barnefelt is going to go up against uh, Michael Smith. Have you got him? He's t- that's $2.65, so he's going to get through that, is he? Well, like I said, it's more of a, a fairy tale a more of a fairy tale thing. Michael Smith has a bit of a tendency to, I'm not going to say crumble under the, the big moments because he didn't do that in his game today. He had to come back uh, to win that one. But I'd say it's more of the fairy tale. But after hearing that song, I'm, I'm going back to sleep. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Not a fan of Sash. <laughs> Absolutely None of us really are, though. Been a terrible Euro Euro trash, wasn't it? But great tips from our darts specialist, Ben Francis. Yeah, $6. Come on, Barney. Go the narrative. Yeah. Lacker, Junge. Yeah, look in the background. Vominos, <laughs> <laughs> Ecuador! One Just one, and then, you know, do nothing. Do nothing. Thank you to everyone who's played a part, especially you, uh, the listeners. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Bye-bye, Grant.